0: Section Two on the By the hallway front! Drop and fire! Drop and fire! it four! Drop zero it four! 040 Alpha, confirm that's bombs dropping on Manstrak. Yeah, oh,
1: obviously you're a jock as well but you're not from the recruiting area so no, no, where, did all, where, did all, where did it all go wrong for you?
0: Yeah as they say I so obviously Blackwatch is eh, Perth and Kinross area and Fife and Femlin all that sort of area so I'm from eh, a wee town called Moughlin in Ayrshire which is a eh, RHF and now two Scots background and it was literally by Luck of the draw, I had no idea what I was joining until I used to get a phone call to say which regiment will done your past election, What regiment would you like and uh, I genuinely did not have a clue and I opened the back of the soldier mag at the time, <laughs> the Scots mag, and I had a picture of the king that used to have all the recruitment areas and where the, each one was and I actually looked at it and went RHF, no that's too close, are Giles and Southern Highlanders, no nah, not quite far enough away black watch and the last thing the phone was a black watch fine regiment i went yeah that'll do that, that'll do that was it <laughs> that was me, black watch mate there was no insight into it whatsoever i just wanted to be in the army and be in infantry since i was a young boy and that's how i ended up in the black watch and i've never ever regretted it mate not once
1: so you wanted to get away from where you were growing up is that right
0: no 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 not to get away, it was just the fact that you would, Ken, I wanted to branch out and find and a new friends to go somewhere different, if that makes that sense. Something different, right? You know, you know people, I mean, so I thought, let's go somewhere different, let's be adventurous. <laughs> yeah, but that was like That one there, please. And you ended up
1: 40 <laughs> miles away in, uh, in Fife.
0: <laughs> I to and then when I used to get him leave, they'd be like, "Geez, you sing when you speak?" Because obviously I play <laughs> really accent, and I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> I used to get pills when it came, man." As a doctor, like here, I loved it, mate. Absolutely loved it.
1: What year was it when you when you joined?
0: Uh, so I enlisted. So I left school in 2001, August, and then enlisted in October 2001. Started training in 2001 which was uh, 11th of November. That's when I started 16 year old, went to Basenbaum at the time. That's because you had two courses, you might be, wait, what, what day he'd be able to reflect on, that? used to have the Harrogate thing, they used to do a full year. So I was fast tracked. So they asked, they asked me if I wanted to do that, but there was a waiting list, a seven month. And I was like, no, I don't want to wait that long. I said, well, there's a new course just starting in an AKR Basenbaum, the first junior lever course. And that started in November, which is only a couple of months. So I said, just yep, sign up for that. And then six months there for basic training, which was really good. It was good, good foundations mm-hmm. to take forward to Carrick, as I would say.
1: But so that training then, uh, I'm assuming it's, it's similar to Bazinbaum, where you go there and you're not assigned to a regiment or a battalion. Would I be right in
0: that or were you already assigned to the Watch by then? it was already signed to them, mate. It's, it's different. Uh, it was Harrogate, they were the same berry or something, didn't it, to a certain point? Something like that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know when, but... No, so we were well, standard the same as everybody with the crap parts. <laughs> it to uh, week 12 or something like that, and then you do yeah. your trade and then I get given my TOS, but they had no hackles. So I had to cut about for about, I think it was at least two weeks without a hackle. And it just so happened it was a screw who just appeared. Uh, you know, Steely, his brother, he was there right. before. He right. went, uh, where, where did he go to? Small arms corps or something? Like that he went to. But he was, he was like, there you go, wee man. There's a hackle for you, and I got a hackle from them, and uh, it was sorted <laughs> for them. So I, uh, it was, it was good, mate. I fair enjoyed it. <clears throat> so did you
1: say October?
0: November I started.
1: Right. Okay. November. So November 2001. That's a couple of months after. Obviously, the nine eleven attacks on yeah. on the World yeah. Trade Centers. How much of that? How much of that incident uh, came into your decision or, or to join the army at that time?
0: Yeah, I've always wanted to be in army. but To be honest, I think I was that young and naive. I didn't really take it fully in. I remember coming back for school and seeing it and like, whoa, this is devastating. But didn't put two and two together if that makes sense. Yeah, but it was a terrorist attack until later on and you actually realised what happened, and then I kind of went, oh, aye, but it didn't, can of say, it didn't influence me, you know, it certainly did influence me, make me want to go and join the army, but it was already 100% guaranteed, like, that's where I was going in my mind, soon as I left school, that's what I wanted to do, so. But, uh,
2: right. It's that's just, nice.
1: it's just interesting getting, um, getting an insight into a guy at, who's joining at that time, you know, when it's literally just so fresh, and um, everyone's minds, Who's then joining? Whereas when I joined, it was um it was a major motivator for me. Um, but like you'd said just then, I'd had years of you know build up yeah. of the aftermath of that you know that yeah. event to then uh, really ingrain in my mind. Whereas I'm sure it's literally just so fresh and uh, of an event that you know Andrew's fucking sixteen year old that it just really just in and one out the other without obviously without the, the disrespect just yeah. you just got so much going on in your life at that time
0: yeah i mean it definitely diff- it's when we went to training it was ken like obviously this has happened the british army's pushing towards this sort of thing as so soon as you had basenbaum that was ken politics was involved in about it the army's maybe looking to go and do this that's when it started to get pushed if that makes sense yeah. in the background uh, so you know you learn more about it these sort of things when you're younger you you're, you're like oh my god that's devastating but you don't really take an effect in it until you're enrolled in that when you're a wee bit older on how much that affects society if that makes sense especially from me uh, i was young and naive and all i wanted to do was join the army but yeah, definitely it definitely makes effect. like somebody who joined a wee bit older like yourself mate and has the aftermath of that that's like yeah i definitely want to spearhead i want to stop this sort of stuff ever happening again whereas it, when i joined it it just happened if that makes sense yeah it was the buildup up of it so yeah, here, I can't kind of say it didn't influence me, but I was already joining the army, mate. That night, so.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I was setting my ways. I was going, but.
1: so what was Basiborn like for what you'd you you'd expected then?
0: Oh, so obviously, I'd never done. So people do cadets and everything like that. I'd never done anything I was in the BBs for maybe like a week and spewed, and then never <laughs> went back. I was not embarrassed, and I never went back. I was like, I've never gone back again. Uh, and honestly, it was a culture shock to be honest mate. I remember standing there day one and they were showing me how to iron uh, your combats and stuff like that. And honestly, I felt like I was going to fade. And honestly, I, like, and I was like, eh, excuse me, can I go to the toilet? And he's like, yeah, crack on. And away I went to the toilet and uh, kind of sprayed myself with water, kind of pulled myself together, went back. And yeah, kind of tainted it for there, but uh, it was a culture shock mate. But once you're, once you're in there and you meet people, you know what it's like baby, all you need is somebody there by your side who's in the same sort of level as you. And it's, you know, it's fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved training me. It made the man who I, made me the man I am today. And it breaks that mould of, especially when think about. I was 16 year old from Ayrshire. It was a wee Ned, mate. <laughs> so, Were you? Oh, I was a Ned, mate. That's my sort of, wee <laughs> Ned, so that kind of moulded me straight away. I was like, oof, Jesus.
1: And did you, you say it moulded you, so I'm, I'm assuming you were absorbing what they were telling you and you were absorbing the, the attitude change that they were uh, expecting oh, of you.
0: Definitely mate, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I went in there fully committed. After I had my wee shaking day one, I was like, oh, don't know if I want to be here kind of thing. Splash your mark on my face, yeah, just completely committed and I was quite lucky because we were all younger and we were like, the first time they did or did they'd ever had juniors there, so with a kind of bedding in with us as well. So they could do certain things or could do certain things with trial and error, if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. And it changed me, it did totally, you know, you know what it's like when you go to training. you completely change even within four weeks, like like marching, that's discipline alone or making your bed. There was an American general, I think it was, that hang on Facebook, he's talking about how to motivate yourself when he says, the first thing you need to do in the morning is make your bed. And that that's one of the things to say in the British Army, first thing you do in the morning, you make your bed because yeah. that's your foundation right there by making your bed in the morning and building on that that's where it all goes mate goes from all the way up that's what I think simple hang on making your bed that's your first task
1: yeah I've so, seen uh, that video and it was um, <coughs> it was a guy we both we both uh, had experience with uh, that showed me um, Marty Gray told me about this guy Admiral Admiral McRaven he's a Navy SEAL and, he's, and the, the, the thing is make your bed in the morning so that by the Absolutely. time you come back at the end of the day, you're going into a made bed.
0: Even if you have a shit day, you have head days. Yeah, I can't really believe in that, mate.
1: And it's true though, mate. It's true. None worse than looking at your bed and thinking, fucking shit, state of our bed. <laughs>
0: Again, even if it's just folded over, mate, it looks a lot more inviting than it yeah. just been crushed up, I mean. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> How long was that time at Basenborn then?
0: Six months, mate. Six right. months in and then that was your phase one done and then you went to CIC after that uh, and then we just get flung in a normal CIC course if that makes sense so people come for Glen course we all just get put in so even though I was junior leavers so I was still 16 I got chucked in with adults when I hit CIC it wasn't a break if that makes sense we were the first course to do that and then after that they kind of put all the juniors together through CIC Yeah so here it made no difference to me, mate. So and I had Johnny Barry; he was uh, my section commander for the. Oh really? Part. Yeah, he was my yeah. section commander. I had another full screw to start me, it was RHF, and then he left, wait like, in the first couple of weeks, and then I had Johnny Barry as my section commander. So, yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> were you fucking? Were you fucking loving it when you when you get the combat, combat infantryman's course, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you are loving it when you get there and start to actually fucking get stuck into your job?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you learn a lot in phase one, but it's it's basic. Like Wells is talking about in his wee chat, because he's obviously down the other now. It, it's very basic because like, you're teaching everybody just basically how to be a soldier. But after that, that's you when you learn to become the tip of the bayonet, as they would say. You get what I mean, we'd actually go and do your job of potentially, you know, killing another human being, which an infantryman's job is to do, is to go forward and take that position and win the war with all the assets behind us so when you start learning that stuff in CIC mate it's fantastic I mean, that's the proper nitty gritty stuff that you know I love Davey I mean? <laughs> as Waddy well, always says basically everybody loves a what. <laughs> basically mate Can't I mean, love that stuff bro. oh
1: mate um, <coughs> that's honestly where you get all that sh- all that shit uh, established in your mind like, if you've got good good search commanders when you're at basic training like that's that quality, that standard, that's expected of you. It never leaves you if you once you learn it. There, um, I was lucky enough; I had a fantastic training team as well. But I can imagine if you if you're going through basic training and yet you you know you you've got a fucking shit shit crew, you know you're not going to get as much out of it as as if you've got a, a good uh, good training team and a good bunch of instructors. And I don't know if there is is that many shit training teams. To be fair, because it's just a big fucking mishmash in it of the top oh, screws from all the battalions. Yeah, um, so my point's probably completely invalid.
0: But uh, yeah, if you get a really
1: good screw in your section, then you, you, you definitely pick up those things early.
0: Well, the thing is, if you get a decent screw who, you know, can not only just show your leadership, but can manage you and mentor you, you know, you merit image no matter what age you are, if you look up to somebody and you think they're an idol or a role model, they'll pick up small traits for you. Even out of being small, like a small thing that's good, they take that forward with them, mate. So if you have an impact on somebody's life, especially at CIC, and you're a good guy, he picks up that trait, they usually take it forward with them, and it makes them a better soldier in the future.
1: Yeah, mate, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, and that goes carries on throughout your whole career as well. You know, you're always like you all. There's always somebody higher than you um, that you fucking that you're not. Idolising is probably the easy word to use. For lack of a better word, but that you do idolize, you know, you look up to, him and you say, right, that's a what I want to be, that's a standard I want to be. He's doing this, I'm, you know, you fucking plagiarize it, the good guys to make yourself better. But that's just how it, how it is, mate. That's a yeah, chocolate factory that is the army because you know you can't get taught leadership. I mean, they can teach you some some lessons on leadership, but you can't get taught to be a leader. You can't get yeah. taught to actually lead people. You need to learn that by seeing and doing and by watching others do it Um, but yeah mate that's you're completely right where you pick up those even if it's just a tiny little thing you pick that up from people you look up to (coughs) what else do you have um what other sort of things were you you doing at um CIC that you you thought was um kind of out of the box that you weren't expecting in terms of like you get hands on more more weapon systems and stuff like that or just getting harder exercises or
0: yeah, well, it's obviously you're getting chucked in. Well, for when I came through, it was very basic. Don't get me wrong, it was hard. It was six months, it was spread out, so I learned a lot. So, by the time I got to CIC, the basic stuff, not try to blow, smoke up my own ass, but I knew it well, if that makes sense. Whereas the guys that were becoming Glen Coast, they didn't have a six-month space to learn all that. So, I kind of picked up stuff a lot quicker than what uh, other people would have. I love being in the field. I mean, that was, and it was horrendous. Getting to CIC is like, I just loved that. I just love being next to folk cutting shapes like jamaicans. You would say, "Ken, section attacks." I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Okay, I mean, it doesn't matter how how shit it gets. Excuse the French, but it, see after it, you're always smiling. Well, name an exercise where you, after it you've never turned around and can admit, that was actually horrific at the time." It was all right. Can after it, you're like, "It was all right," and you laugh about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. turned and said, Holy that's me. Can't I mean? So even in CIC when it was horrific and you're getting beast at trap plan challenge and all that Can I mean you're just you're smiling after you're like that was horrendous. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean? I, loved it.
1: I think maybe that's just good cunts, mate, but uh if you're one of the shit cunts that's you know is greeting and fucking you know, whinging all the time, uh, oh I'm doing this, I'm doing that, like yeah, probably aren't smiling at the end of it, but yeah, good guys I guess, uh you, they see that they see the progress that'll be made from the hardship. <coughs> um i remember i remember when i was in basic doing a my first platoon attack bait and i honestly couldn't believe it like i it was you know when you get in the state of uh the state of flow where everything is just so perfect i wasn't there but i could understand how you could get there how i was starting to understand the the cogs of the machine you've got a yeah. section in reserve you've got a section fire support you've got a section doing the attack and then they all just switch around one cog, yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. the, net, the support, the reserve section, then becomes the assault section. And it's like it's, when I, when we were first doing our platoon attacks, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is actually so easy, yeah. and it's the perfect, it's the perfect way of manoeuvring about the battlefield for, I don't know, people who aren't educated like myself to be able to understand the complexity of it. You know, it is such a simple beast but yeah. it's just so easy as well it's such a complex piece but it's so easy to understand um, Definitely.
0: Definitely. I remember
1: just yeah. I remember just being in basic training thinking fucking this is like this is going to be easy I'm fucking loving this yeah, right.
0: and then you move on to like a company attack and then you, you do your attack as a platoon you're like yeah brilliant and you're sitting about for about an hour like <laughs> what's, <going on? laughs> fingers like, what's good." like getting the fags out getting Bye. the bodies out <laughs> getting there, getting there. well the you at the time and making yourself a brew. I'll get five minutes, boys, get a brew on. Kind of luck you He's yeah. at the wind up, are not he? No, I'll get a brewing. Can't have Johnny Batman, he was always at the wind
1: up. Get the brews on, boys. Alright, okay then. <laughs> I had use <laughs> my use my uh my sex commander when I was going for uh, my um NCO cadder. Oh aye, good stuff. Fucking, it was fucking hilarious. The exact same, mate. We aye, had a really? we had a really easy section and then we had uh Oh, what's his fucking name? I can't remember. We had this guy who was kind of like a, a senior jock and he kept on fucking up and he just wasn't pulling the weight, pulling his weight. Yeah. And uh, I remember he, he lost a radio battery, mate. A VHF radio battery. I remember we were doing an ambush one time. So we ended up getting back to um, our ERV and we'd done a quick kit check and it was missing. So we're like, fucking hell. So we had to go back there middle of the night try to find it. And then he, when we were back there, you know what, like he's not there. Johnny Barry's waiting up there on the on the road when we we're all doing in the woods trying to find this thing. And he's like, lads, I, I don't even know if I even brought it with me. I, I'm, not <laughs> sure it, I'm not sure if it be, was even in my kit. No, so then sure. we're like, fucking hell! So we're like, done the the token, Right, let's search for for another ten minutes. So we've done that, and eventually somebody found it. He's like, we like, you're a fucking mutant. How do you know <laughs> know if you even brought this thing with you? So we found it, and then obviously we fucking mm. took the raft for that, but. Um. yeah he was he was fucking quality on that mate just like you said just chill do it just doesn't uh, get a
0: fuck the earth, mate. you know what I mean when you need to be hard he's hard because uh, you don't need to be that bad guy all the time Can you, know what I mean? you need to have a bit of empathy especially when you're doing stuff it's quality. It's good qualities of a leader to have a bit of empathy or have a bit of character about your humour with the guys if you're constantly on top of them they're not going to learn anything are they no you know I mean
1: so <coughs> um, so <laughs> CIC I see it, Glen course, and then how how do you roll into
0: the Black Watch? Carrick, mate. Sorry, not Glen <laughs> All right, Carrick. Sorry, sorry. No, I it was, it, was, it was at Carrick, uh, and then so I left Carrick. When did, uh, oh, let me think? Probably about August, arrived. so probably about June, end of June. And I get told you've got a day recruiting. I was like, all right, perfect. <laughs> So like you need to report to the Blackwatch headquarters in Perth and obviously I'm for Ayrshire and I'm like, all right, where, where am I staying then? So I rocked up there and uh, I forget who it was, that was there and I uh, reported him and I was like, all right, sir, how are you doing, uh, Private Sharp here to uh, do recruiting? He said, ah, I've been trying to get hold of you, find your number for about four weeks. I was like, oh, all right. Oh, no, have I done something wrong? He's like, no, you, you can't do recruiting enough here, are you? are for Ayrshire, are you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, go home for another two weeks leave and then. I'll get in contact with your flight details. I was like, oh, all right. So I sent my back. Give me, yeah. <laughs> obviously yeah. got me a rail ticket back to Ayrshire. I was saying for another two weeks leave, so I was like, maybe four weeks leave I had. And then I got <laughs> sent <stayed laughs> to Fally. But when I arrived in Farley I was still only 16 years old, mate. So yeah. everybody, was, that was the first one there, it was 16. Everybody was watching, I wasn't able to do anything, mate. I went to go skydiving in Fally, had to get a written consent letter from my mother in order for I could go and do skydiving when I was in Farley, mental okay, mate. How It was Farley. What, really... what,
1: was, what was life like there for fucking
0: 16, 17
1: year seventeen-year-old?
0: Good mate, yeah, good good times. uh eh? I, I had Smudge. You can't Smudge, eh? Smudge was eh, my first section commander, so that's how I've got a good, you know, Smudge is my good friend. Eh? so yeah. when I first rocked up, he was one of the guys that took me under his wing as such, eh? so. Valley was really good, mate. Not only, obviously, you're in a different country, but it was actual, it had seasons, not like Scotland. It was like summer and winter. You can have yeah. Scotland's all over the place, as you know. Uh, so it's really good that way. Plus, you get extra money. So it was Euros. So I was clearing about an extra three, £400 a month just for being in Germany, because you used to get, was it LOA? Uh, LOA. What
1: allowance?
0: aye. LOA, you used to get that, which is about an extra three, £400 And obviously, I met my wife there. My wife now, she was uh, she was out there. Her a uh, dad, he was in the SDGs. Uh, so I met her because I was sixteen, and then seventeen. And I met her when I was seventeen. and She was sixteen, doing it Farley swimming pool. That's where I met her. Fucking my wife. hell! We oh, so, uh, remain friends. What was it?
1: Here, Sharpie, what what the fuck was a squaddy doing at the the swimming pool doing, mate? Pulling birds.
0: Well. Well, you could say that, David. <laughs> it was a swimming pool, mate. Can okay, I mean? It was great.
1: Boy, that bro, sounds mate. sounds dodgy as fuck.
0: Wait, mate, I was only seventeen when I met my missy. She was sixteen. It was all it was all good, brother. It was all good. <laughs> oh, Go messy, mate, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, Fali was fantastic, mate. But obviously, uh, the first tail it kicked off when was that? Two thousand and three. Yeah, the first rat kicked off. I was too young, so I was only seventeen years old. And I done all the post-training, uh, sorry, pre-deployment training, mate, for that. Helped put all the chub on my own, the Warriors, done everything, mate. And then about, I think it was maybe about a week or two weeks before the win, i get pulled in and said, you're not going, you're staying here. And I'm stuck in rear part of me, and it absolutely devastated me, mate. Absolutely Did you, did you
1: not even have an idea that you would, wouldn't be going?
0: No. Well, I, I know, but nobody'd say to me, hey, look, you're not going. Because yeah. obviously, you know, as 18-year-old, you've got to go. And I was like, oh, here we go, Nobody said no to here. Maybe I can be one of these guys and feel whatever yeah. I do, sneak on or something like that. Yeah, you're, you're just playing uh, the grey
1: man until until yeah. somebody fucking crushes your dreams.
0: Uh, so I was stuck. I was stuck in rear party, mate, which was absolute shit. I hated that, mate. That's probably one of the lowest and not the lowest, but it was just shit because everybody was away, then actually doing their job, and I was stuck back there because I was too young, and it was the remainder. So there was loads of us, maybe about platoon strength, we were all under 18 mate. at that point. We were all stuck back there. Wow, uh, it was Crazy at the time. What um, <clears throat> well, was and the pre-deployment
1: had... training for that
0: then? Because obviously you were armoured then. Um... Yeah. St. Alaga, bud. Down in St. Alaga. So obviously that's a big massive armoured area. So it was down there, it was six weeks or something like that. Then until finishing with, uh, uh, an actual big battle group exercise because obviously they knew it was going to happen, but they never get given a timeline. Uh, so we finished with that, and that was re- that was a, obviously a joke. So I was an infantry at the time, so it was fighting at the back of the uh, the AFE or the Warrior as such. It was really good, mate, but uh, that that was pretty pretty crushing not getting to go yeah. and do the as such. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then um, after that happened, the boys came back. Um, can it all settle down? And then I went and done up Tosca, so I turned 18 and went and done up Tosca. So I was the first one to do that in the Black Watch for a long time. I left Germany to go and do Cyprus to time on the border with three RHA, and that was probably one of the best things I've ever done in my career because <laughs> it was just a holiday in Cyprus.
1: Um, so, so I take it they came back and you went straight away. Would that be right?
0: No, when did they come back? So they came back in the summer. I think they came back, my dates with bought other place, but I think they came back about August, September, something like that. And then I had a, maybe two months there with him and it was Boxer, he was at the Sam when they came back. Um, so I had a couple of months with him there and then they, they were anybody why to go to Tosca and I was like, yeah, i will going to do that. I'm getting a, yeah. getting a bit of experience and then I left to go with three RHA and day training and then I deployed in December. Of two thousand and three, that was to go to Tosca for six months.
1: How uh, how was the tour in Telic for the battalion?
0: Yeah, oh, interesting, mate. Yeah, obviously it was proper war fighting, wasn't it? Um, so some of the stories that the boys were saying when they were on Bridge Four, when they were just getting absolutely hammered by mortars and stuff like that, was pretty horrendous by the sounds of it. But the but here, I, I only, the bits. I only know bits that people have told me. Yeah, so that's what I mean. If you get somebody like Kev Blackley or other people in who know a wee bit more, who were actually there be able to tell you more about it. Eh?
1: Yeah, the, the reason I'm asking is just I'm just thinking that going away would probably be one of the best things that you could have done at that time. You know, when you come, when the battalion comes back and it's been rough, um, yeah. and the the next year, pretty much the battalion is pencilled in to do nothing. It's probably the best time to go away and get, you know, get a wee wee bit of time away for the battalion to do something different and to actually keep your interest going.
0: Well, see, see in that, mate, it was mental. So the battalion came back, right, and then I went to Cyprus. And in the process of me going to Cyprus, so six months away, the battalion then moved from Fallenbostel to Warminster to become the demonstration battalion. So it's it's like the plateaued for a wee bit for a couple of months and then it was right, pack your kit a moving, so then had to go a pure uplift, get everyone ready to hand over to the Highlanders, and then they moved to Warminster to then take over this new, uh, well, the, the new, it wasn't a new role, but the, their new role, which was a demonstration battalion. So it was quite busy for them, if that makes sense. I don't think they got really a chance to settle. Yeah. They got to back, then they got leave, they combated and a wee bit of training. Then I was off, so it was, you're talking maybe they had don't even know when to move so they were there by the time I got back so I reckon they might have had seven months mate before between coming back through war to then getting moved over to England to be there in their new role eh?
1: yeah it's a mad schedule that they used to that was back then when they used to move the towns used to move every two years eh
0: you know uh, the Watch were there for don't quote me on it I think they were there for between six to eight years mate oh really yeah because in that time they didn't did they do Bosnia as well? One or two, they did Canada, exercise in Canada, and then obviously they did it 1, and that was obviously SDGs, so it was 7th Armour Brigade that went and done that. Yeah. So, i mean, they were there for about 6 to 8 years, mate. All they'd right. Be take, nah, they'd be able to, Ken, who'd been on already, they would yeah, yeah. be able to do that, but I'm sure it was between 6 to 8 years, But
1: So, where were you when you went to Tosca then? Were you in Nicosia or the airport? Yeah,
0: they, oh, see, you were obviously in Tosca, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I went in 2015. I was at the airport.
0: Oh, you at the airport? So see, when I was there, mate, they still had the platoon houses. If that right. Makes sense. So we were so where Nicosia was, um, I was just the next one up, the next, the first house up, which was known as Rock's Drift. Right. It was the first house, so we were on there, and uh, it was it was brilliant, mate. Yeah, we we were a team of six, and you done a, a week of days, a week of nights, and then it was like a week off, and obviously your first. I think the first month we were gated, so we weren't allowed to do anything. So uh, we bought a volleyball court, a bar out the back, and fixed the swimming pool. <laughs> That's what we did in our first month, mate. As a full platoon, it was brilliant, mate. What? A uh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant.
1: I can't. Man. I can't really remember uh, if they had. The, if they even had the swimming pool open when I was there. I spent all my time up at uh, up at the airport. Uh, but they got the swim. They had the swimming pool up there, mate. Big. F- uh, I think it was a fifty metre pool. But, oh, yeah. mate, phenom- phenomenal, mate. Massive, big, deep end, and it was, you know, swimming every single day. I was in there about an hour every single day. Yeah, so I remember when I was there, I was just fucking swimming non-stop, but I was at the airport as well, so I had plenty of time to, to go for, like, decent long runs as well. Yeah. Um, Like, around the perimeter, and they had a bunch of, like, tracks in between, and there was, like, all the, um, like, the brigades and the staff houses and all that, who were permanently based out there, they, they all lived in big houses out in the in the deserted land mate that, that I guess the UN had built for them um, yeah. we were just doing p- patrols mate we were doing around that fucking des- deserted area mate it was, it was honestly pretty, pretty cool yeah. two weeks of guard two weeks of training and then it was just that rotation for, uh, for six months um, but like when it was two weeks of guard they we were doing eight hours on obviously 16 off and then you're doing that for two weeks, so it was you know you're hardly working anything, just as a guard commander as well. So just sitting, phoning up boys, up, hey, you got everything you need, right? You switch with him, and oh, right. it, was, it was absolute boxy. But the two weeks training, mate, you're just doing maybe maybe three hours training a day, and then the rest was your own time to do whatever you wanted. Me and Big Louie, mate. Big uh, big Lou would go down to McDonald's every day in the wagon. <laughs> go, we're going, going on a patrol, mate, and we get patrol, these big uh, big Frappuccinos with like uh squirty fr- um squirty cream at the top and all that, mate. Sit in the car park, eat, drink our Frappuccinos and the head back up, mate. Absolute Brody, absolute man. gift of a Brody.
0: life. <clears throat> when we, uh, when I was there, mate, we, I don't know, but used but we had bikes, push bikes. So because our area uh, was quite big, that's how we used to go patrolling. We used to have two dogs as well in the putting house to keep the rats away so they used to come in and patrol with and they did <laughs> with your, your bow helmet on cycling and <laughs> that with your two dogs with do you and know, that mate it was brilliant yeah it was really good huh?
1: it was yeah good. it's not a tour mate it's a, it's a fucking holiday man it's but it's a, it's a good if you want a good time get yourself to to tosca <laughs>
0: and it was different so see when i was there I see your r&r mate so i had two weeks r&r and they paid for my hotel in pathos for two weeks and gave me £360 spending money for food yeah <laughs>
1: mate they've done <laughs> the, they done the exact same for us as well I think <laughs> because I spent my two weeks out there that's
0: brilliant mate I eh?
1: can't remember if they paid for me or not but um, they maybe did I think they maybe give you the option of either staying there and they'll pay for you or they'll pay for yeah. your flight home yeah
2: I think so
1: I. Uh, but I stayed there at uh, the time I got my uh, my missus out just had a two week holiday in the all inclusive hotel and that mate, it's absolutely phenomenal. Great, right? right
0: huh? okay. Yeah. it's really good
1: Yeah, it was fucking good crack. So much time to train though, that was the best thing.
0: Right. yeah. You had plenty of time off as well, and uh, at that point you were right into the CrossFit as well.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. So we never had, had much CrossFit stuff up there. It was pretty shit. So I remember the first time I was in the gym. <laughs> I remember the first time I was in the gym, uh, they had the cast iron plates and it was like shitey equipment. I was in there trying to do thrusters, mate. So it's front squat where uh, when you fully extend, you push above your head and I was doing a bunch of them and then I got fucking tired and I dropped it down to my my chest and then just threw the weight down on the floor, mate, and the plate plate cracked right open and the barbell smashed into a, a, a bunch of fucking parks I was like fuck's sake looked around mate give the casual look around see if anyone was watching and just tucked it into a corner
2: <laughs> that barbell was broken um,
1: <laughs> but then I was trying to get money for a kit in that. but by the time I left it hadn't arrived but um, yeah I learned, I learned not to drop the kit pretty quick but yeah everything else is there like row machines and like I said mate swimming pool and just so much fucking space to run there's been a lot of yeah. running a lot of swimming
0: decent brother decent um, <laughs> What, what were you up to after Tosca then? So back and back, so a quick turnaround. So it was me, Jimmy Maida, Mud Nervosa. It was only three, so we were the three out there. and We were catching wind that the, the Blackwatch we were sent back out to Iraq and Teleg like 4. But nah, that can't have been the case. So we went back to Hona, I think it was Hona Campers. We spent a month there, like decompression as they say. Sent us home for two weeks leave. And then we arrived back in Warminster and it was straight into pre-deployment training, mate. So it was happening. We were like, straight in the ground, back into B Company, 6th platoon I was at the time and before I left. Uh, and then hit the ground, running straight into pre-deployment training. Never got a week off before we went out there. And then we went straight out to Iraq, 2004. And we're based out of ba- Baza? Was it? No, Shai Balog. Was it Shaiba log based? I'm in Afghanistan. I think it was Shaiba
1: Logbase.
0: I that sounds was, like a because I've never heard of it. <coughs> I think it was uh, Shaiba Logbase, the battalion was based out of there to start, and then each company's kind of pinched forward. So A company were in Alamara, and then us B company, sorry, A company were in Bajra, and then B company, we went up north to Alamara and helped out the P-dubs up there, and that was, um, that was interesting up there, mate. That was full-blown fighting up there with the, the Warriors and the Challenger tanks with the P-dubs. Some interesting contacts up there.
1: What um, what role were you doing at that time? Still
0: private? Uh, no, I was a warrior driver. Yeah, I was a private, but I was a warrior driver. But um, when we went first up to Alamara, I don't think I was a warrior driver to... Don't, I was, but I hadn't re-rolled into it, if that makes sense. I think we had yeah. warriors up there. But I was more of a light infantry... Light infantry? An infantry man. Gemmo was a platoon sergeant. <clears throat> had, uh, Brian Young was my Warrior Commander and Doc Colliday was a gunner so when we did venture into that and literally when we were up in Alamara we were just basically spearheading into Alamara and having massive scraps with them mate I remember doing a, about 36 just showy force in Alamara and it was just chaos mate, absolute chaos we went up there to support so the PWRR were the actual crew for the Warriors we were the dismount in the back and I remember we were, um, this was the second second night we at that, going into the second night as such, um, driving along the road, the next thing we heard, RPG gunner, the fucking warrior slams on the brake, goes to reverse to hit the RPG. Now you have this boom, boom, friendly fire coming across, hits the side of the warrior, commander drops to the turret, it has got shrapnel on his neck, and that's when Gemmel jumped up and taken over, and then we get hit with two RPGs in the side as well. That had uh, the chub, you know the bit they just have the, I forget the name, it was like a roll cage. Which yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That stopped RPGs coming on, but you heard them hitting that the explosion. bar armour. But that's the one mate, the bar armour. Huh? That was an interesting night. Uh, that was later on that night. Do you remember Geordie Ewens?
1: No, I don't know.
0: We <laughs> Geordie boy, he's a, a cracking guy. But after that all happened, we went to the police station, right, <clears throat> to have an RV during the day. And I just remember sitting in the back of the water, chatting a shit with a few of the boys. And all he heard was shh, there. You know, the silence of the mortals coming in. Boom, boom. Now he sees, Jordy's like, what is he, about five foot? Five foot, five. Teeny <laughs> way, right? five foot. Oh, he's like running, mate, running. And obviously, this, you know, the, steam, the sand was going everywhere. Now seen sees this wee cloud, him running through this wee cloud. Shut the fucking door. Fucking, <laughs> 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 straight in the back door. Shut the audio down. Oh, the morning. So funny at the time, huh? obviously scary at the same point, but it was funny after it just because Jordy's face running through this, I can play with sand everywhere. Well, wait, wait. What sorry. was the uh, what was
1: the situation
0: up in Alamara? <clears throat> um, wasn't it good, because I had a lot of, I'm going to say there weren't surgeons as such, Ken, it was more, it was somewhere, it was like homegrown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were, um, obviously I was a jock so I didn't have that much intel, just stuff that you pick up. Yeah. They didn't want us there as such. It was at that stage where they were wanting everybody to leave. And we were still there holding key areas. One of the areas we are holding was a place called Simic House. <clears throat> and I remember after that op mate, this big massive op, when we were in there with Challenger 2s, Warriors, every full skilled regiment and a half in there. Once that finished, they sent us in the following day mate, no word they a lie, and snatches. Three snatches, I'm top cover. Obviously there's a few other folk in top cover heading into Simic course, mate. I was fucking shaking myself. Honestly shaking myself. I was like, I was just in here, getting smashed. a warrior? You? And you're sending me in here, my snatch now. And we got to Simic course, mate. And they'd put like, Hesco, I eh, know Hesco, Hessein, all the way round the, the warrior, mm-hmm. and. You couldn't even see it, mate. It was just built holes all the way through mate. They'd taken an absolute pounding that night. And it was uh, Ricky Miller. You know Ricky Miller. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Summit Chris, And I remember speaking to him, and he was just like, holy fuck, you're not going to believe what we were up to last night. It was just, honestly, mate, they got a pure pounding all night. So they did. So uh, that was, they were just basically, that was a key area that we were holding, if that makes sense, Summit yeah. Chris. And it was just supporting that as such because it, it was like a government building or something like that. So that was the main role there for when we were up, supporting the P-dubs, reinforcing them as such.
1: Yeah, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's absolute madness that uh, that they chuck in and snatches. I mean, when I was talking to Davey, he said that he was working with the, da- the, the Danish and they had a leopard tank as part of their QRF, <clears throat> but they wouldn't deploy unless they had escorts yeah. from obviously the British Army. And the British Army QRF was three snatch wagons. And the Danish QRF, <laughs> the Danish QRF only escorted with a protection from the British Army at the front, the rear and the middle. And those, so the snatch was leading a lep, uh, an armoured bloody QRF force right. with a leopard tank in the middle and a snatch at the rear and the front. Like, it's madness. And the boy on my juniors, mate, uh, Dale Vincent for the, the Royal Welsh, he was telling me about his experience with snatches as well. Um, he said that so many lives were saved through the fucking uh, the um, the negligence of the enemy, just simply by not pulling the fucking fat the safety pin out of the front of the warhead and the RPGs, mate. Yeah. Did, yeah said that he had. Said he had about. I think he said he had two or three come through his snatch through the side of his snatch, and just be duds because the pin was still in them. But then at the same time, those guys in his uh his battalion getting you know, fucking blasted by RPGs and snatches aren't, they're not even going to, they're not stopping. they're not even stopping five out of six, I don't think, are
0: they? They were used for Northern Ireland. I mean, yeah. part of the Northern Ireland sort of experience, and I thought, yeah, we'll just re-roll them into that. And that's before they had the V-shapes as well. So it was just a flat hull, so if you had to hit and goodbye snatch. Yeah. I mean, the full thing would go on. So uh, they, weren't, they weren't good, mate. That was a, yeah, that was a nervous drive in and out, to say the least with that what year was that then? <coughs> two thousand and four. So yeah. it's not it's
1: it's pretty tasty obviously two thousand and four, but peak Iraq's win two thousand
0: and six, two thousand and seven. Yeah. Did we, you go back uh, to Iraq? <coughs> no, so well during that time so we went back and we were re-rolling we we went to handover, we told we were we'd only done about three, four months, something like that. I went, right, that's a black watch you no longer needed. That's what you're doing. And then they spearheaded people for an NCO's cadre. I was like, yep, I'll do an NCO's card. Started in two miles in the camp and everything like that. He got selected, sent us back to Warminster to do an NCO's card. We're all prepped to there for about four days, getting our kit sorted. No what delay, mate, right? On the bus, heading down to Dartmoor to do this NCO's card. Gary Wallace was a sound Major. You see him on the phone, standing up on the phone, gets off the phone, puts his phone down, turns the bus round, turns round and says, NCO's car has binned, you're going back to Iraq. Like, what? <laughs> back to Iraq. That's when we went north to Fallujah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> That's
0: right, this, so is so
1: actually, this is actually what I wanted to ask you about. Just carry on.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> so we went north to Fallujah and B Company, so we pushed forward to we well, I forget the name of the main camp we were in there to start with, so the full bit time is in there just kind of pushing fuelers out see how that went and then B Company was tasked to go to an area which we called Springfield Uh, that was our area and it was basically dominating these bridges to stop any enemy getting back into Fallujah or getting out so the US Marines can do their job and Six Platoon we were at the most southern tips we had like they found big massive uh, hangers not hangers like well that is hangers but concrete bunkers as such built into the ground and a few of the hangers was uh, you know, condemned as such because it, the fun, that's where he was testing all his uh, chemical weapons and stuff like that as well. So we were the southern side of that and our job was to look after a bridge called Lisa. They were all named after the Simpsons. Uh, so that was your job. So you were literally there for a month, mate, basically patrolling this area, securing this area, supporting the US Marines and watching this, this bridge called Lisa. So it was quite interesting that, mate. How close
1: were you to? How close were you to the US Marines doing their assault on Fallujah?
0: Um, so I, I think other companies might have been a wee bit closer than what we were, but uh, we were about I think we we're about nine miles away from the main part of Fallujah. If that makes sense. to The bridges yeah. coming. Uh, we never actually we've seen a few US Marine convoys coming past us heading into there, kind of, like, can deals with them that, but no fighting as such. We were near that. We were basically, we were like out of force, out of cordon, mate, while they were in there doing their businesses, you know. Eh?
1: And uh, were well, other, other uh, platoons or companies in the battalion doing, you know, an inner cordon or in, in support of the the Marines' assault?
0: I'm not 100% too sure what they were doing, mate. Uh, as I said, it's when you're a jock, you're quite naive with some things. Yeah. You just need your role and your responsibility. And I know what we were doing in B company, uh, A company, I think they were pushed further further west I couldn't actually tell exactly what they were all doing. But yeah. the only encounter we had where the Marines was uh, a a Marine general came to see us and his Black mate. Come down the Black and say, hi, say how you doing guys? Thanks very much. And we're literally there and I was like, do you need any? If you need any let me know. Somebody's like cigars. And <laughs> like brokenly gate. And he's like, "Yeah, yup, not a problem. Write this down. Shouts to his wee, his wee battle buddy. And he's like writing it down Two days later, mate, no other line Four black ops come, just kick off all that stuff, mate. And it's creates a Gatorade, creates the cigars. Okay, now brilliant, mate. And it obviously went to company HQ, made it distributed to all the platoons evenly. I was like, "There you go." You'd ask that for a British general, came in a helicopter, would laugh at you. Yeah, can you be lucky rations.
1: if you got extra rations? Never mind, fucking Gatorade and cigars.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's that's insane, man. It's uh <coughs> that absolute morale. I can't even remember getting any morale deployed, mate. Anything. You know, you'd ask for shit. You'd ask you would ask for a morale on a, on your um when you're sending up for the platoon Sergeant and to send these request into the sergeant major. Yeah. You'd ask for morale and you I can't remember ever getting anything. It'd
0: be a a, a broom biscuit, mate. <laughs> yeah, maybe I fuck me. Um
1: were you getting regular updates about progress of the, the US assault in, in Fallujah?
0: Yeah, aye mate, aye. They would get, uh, maybe every three or four days they would tell us how far they pushed in to bring it up. Obviously the HQ would go and get that and then the platoon would come, come back and give us a sort of detailed brief. As uh, much information he could give us so you kind of knew where the battle was happening and how far they pushed and how complex it was. Uh, they boys didn't uh, it was quite hard for their boys with the sounds of it mate. Yeah. I mean, mate some of the things that they were doing in there so um, it was good to get an understanding what everybody else was doing but you were very, as I said we were quite far away from it, don't get me wrong we still had a contacts and still some tricky situations but nothing like these guys because they were the main force we were just, you know, the supporting elements as such Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: it's um, it's mad knowing what we what you know now about um, about that ascendant it would be a battle, and it The battle for oh, that's meant
2: to Um
1: be There'd be movies and everyone made about you know Chris Kyle and fucking all these people that were there at the time, and it's just madness, man. And the, the Marines, the US Marines, did take an absolute crazy amount of casualties in there, but, um, sure, but the we could
0: have, we could have had a lot more support. We could have supported them a lot more. I just don't think the British government or army who's really want to commit to that if that makes sense yeah. force and force with them into an area which was controlled by them was maybe not a good thing to have in the news as such especially if we start taking casualties um, but we could have certainly we had warriors and everything there mate Can't, I mean, they were cutting a bit with just a normal soft skin humpies.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. AFB and support mate chain gun or 30 mil cannon there you go sorted half the battle been done I know they had their um, was it the Bradleys but I don't know how much support they had. You had a full battalion of jocks, raven, lunatic lineage- jocks, <laughs> ready to go and get right in about it. I know. Free, so, uh, it was a shame, but yeah, that was a good tour. It was interesting. I mean, that was me going from one tour, which was non kinetic, completely opposite spectrum, to go to that, which was the full opposite spectrum, which was really good. It was good. Uh, Eye opener. Uh,
1: and then I'm, I'm going to guess it's. Getting back from that, you just had a fucking fire lit under, un, under you. You're just ready to go, just pro- progress in, throughout your career.
0: Straight into NCO's after Christmas. So as soon as we come back for that weather, leave straight onto to Christmas, Leave dinner, matches as the normal stuff. And then straight onto to junior NCO SCADA, which was uh, probably, probably about the second or third hardest thing I've ever done in my career. I yeah, spoke <laughs> about it, they will tell you. So listen to the team. uh, Platoon Command, I'm not too sure how it was, Covo, no was it I think it was Covo at the time, Platoon Sam, Butch Packer, Section Commander, Davy Tut -tut, (laughs) Section Commander 2, Matty Gray, Section Commander 3, Jim Copeland, Section Commander 4, Stevie Leslie, who was my Section Commander, and it was in Dartmoor, mate, it was horrific, (laughs) 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 horrific mate, honestly, wow, what a beasting, and I've got a scar, can you see my scar on my lip? Yeah. I got like lines poison there for digging, we had to dig full stage 3 trenches in a final exercise mate and then we got a bar C-bar-N attack and everything like that and obviously I got a teeny bit spot, what I didn't know about but because we're digging I obviously scratched it and this thing got infected and I had to go and get surgery on it but that was uh, yeah, that was some NCOs card there mate, that was a uh, make or break, that's all I'll say A was, lot of people uh, quitting I'm gonna guess I think I, yeah, quite a lot of folk did quit. Yeah, there was some, it's the DS, you know them all, mate. They're all absolutely you know, top guys. I mean, absolutely, well, legends within their own rights, within the battalion, I mean, with some of the yeah. guys. So the knowledge that they cascaded is was fantastic, mate.
1: <coughs> Jim, Jim Copeland, for everyone who wants to know, is the guy in the start of these episodes who's given a, a section, a fire control order. So it will start, it says, Section 300, muddle your front, rapid fire. That's him um, taken from a video uh, from um, Herrick 10. Um, they, they had a Guardian fucking um, journalist with them who was videoing a whole bunch of shit and he ended up getting put with our platoon. He's uh, one of the six commanders in my platoon. Um, Could you yeah, that, that's where that video comes from. And I just fucking stole it from my intro, so... If you want to, if you want to hear it, just fucking so go back and watch it. Um, yeah, yeah, brother. But yeah, top bloke as well.
0: Yeah. So just to continue on, mate, you're saying about uh, pushing there. So once I done my NCOs card, and then went to Reki. So that was my first venture into reconnaissance, as I say, Reki for life. Get you know I mean? So and uh, because Stevie was my section commander on there, I then went into his section in the Reki, and uh, we done. Oh, uh, armoured Reconnaissance, so I then done my sam- my simata, um driver, so convert it to that to be Armoured Recce, and we're still Demonstration Battalion until se- mm, it wasn't as much as September, it was earlier than that, so probably about July, and then that's when we get told we're going to Northern Ireland so the Recce then reformed into the COP platoon, the Close Observation platoon to go to Northern Ireland uh, and then that's when we kenny not we had a uh, what's it called, a uh, um, not a trial, but everybody had to kind come and show face to... Uh, like a Yeah, like a I, like a cadre. A selection cadder. There you go, a selection cadder, kind of got get words out. In order to be part of the close observation platoon, mate. Uh, and so I was then picked to go as a 2IC. So it was Stevie Leslie, section commander. It was teams of four, because that's what you worked in in the corps. So it was Stevie Leslie, myself as the 2IC, Liam Walker and Kev Kidd. Whereas that was a team that we were on, And then we went the Close Observation course, which was doing in lid. And that was another horrendous course. Yeah. But it wasn't taxing. The fitness was hard. You've been to Lidda. Yeah, I've been to a lid, yeah. So obviously it's all shingle in it. So all the fitness you do there is over the shingles, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, makes sense. At, I went and we'd done PDT there in a bunch of ranges. So we never actually done any done any fizz uh, that was you know it wasn't like we weren't competing for anything we just done fizz on the fucking beach it was pretty uh, on the shingle it was pretty piss easy but i can un- i can understand if you're uh if you've got a car down there you'd be hounding fucking cats on it on that beach
0: honestly every morning up at half five to go and do fitness you wake up take a mars bar you know, <laughs> they <way> would <laughs> did the same thing mate so you did a two miler there's a loop run the camp right that runs down the range side and it's a two mile best effort Go, and it was uh, there. It was three battalion, three units there. So it was Black Watch cop, PWRR cop, and who was the other one? There was another regiment there? Ah, oh, shit! That'll, that'll come to me. There was another re- there was three is there, and it was right. No, everybody passed. So you're doing it again in sections. Oh, for fuck's sake! So it was then sections. So where you went were in your section. So your team of four. Yeah, happy days and so we were fat, in the days. It Team Black Watch team anyhow, so we were, we were obviously passing every time, right? Now he's done the whole pass. Now he's a platoon. should did it again as a platoon. So that's six miles you've done, mate. And then obviously one of the platoons is absolutely chin because they've just done six miles best effort. <laughs> right, that's you. You didn't all do it. You're now doing it as a course. So, <laughs> <three> miles, <laughs> three miles, three miles, mate, slog. It's horrendous. That was probably the hardest fitness I've done in, a lot in my entire career to that point because it was just
2: yeah.
0: horrendous, mate. But yeah, really good course. Set us up well to go and do a Coast Observation Platoon in Northern Ireland. We were the last ones before it closed. Came in the Coast. Banner. Yeah. So we were the whole COP platoon in uh, Belfast. So it was really good, mate. <coughs> uh,
1: just explain what sort of role the COP does, obviously you, you don't need to go into extreme detail, but just um, how diff- <coughs> how is a role different to what a, a, a Green Recce Platoon might be doing in Northern Ireland?
0: So uh, the close observation between, the main difference between that is um, cities. So you get to grow your hair long. Got a photo somewhere where we were, the cop boys all along long hair and the long sides as we did. But as soon as you walked up to like a pub, I cop. we with a mullet,
1: Spot the boys that are fucking cutting about like they think it's the 70s. Yeah, they're the cop.
0: <laughs> you could get away with it, it was horrendous. But, um, aye, so the, the main difference in that was because you had your, so in our, we had a monitor team and a ground team. So the monitor team that literally they just watched the monitors, never deployed in the ground as such. And then the ground teams, sorry, they did deploy, they were the supporting elements. So I think the main difference between that is, so I would be, say we were doing a, a reconnaissance prior to going out in the ground, so you would be there during the day, say I was a driver, I'd have a SIG, I've been civvies, but I'd have a SIG 226, two, SIG 226 pistol doing my jukes, doing the front of my jeans, and I'd have a, an HK 50, 57, was it? Doing the side of my leg with a jacket over it, and so would the commander. And you would drive about real fast like that, mate, just in case anything happened. And then when you'd actually go and, go and do an operation, you'd have the same sort of thing in the front, but the ground teams, so us, who'd be gone out to put a camera in, for example, we'd been the back of a van when it all be darked up, and then we get to a drop-off point, we would then go and do our job. That's the main difference, I would say, mate. There's elements of civilian aspects there to be covert, and then obviously normal aspects when you're doing your normal green reconnaissance stuff. Yeah, sounds pretty good, to you. It Sounds like a class role to uh, got a chance to do. Yeah, it was really good, mate. I feel it. I got a lot of experiences out of that, uh, a lot of experience going forward. Uh, if that makes sense, because I've never done any light roll wrecky stuff because it was armoured before if that makes sense we did do some stuff but it was mainly armoured so that was a step towards the right scale of going light roll because that's where we were going after that mate Uh, Once banner finished itself eh? that was a really good job mate and obviously (coughs) we had Gemmo uh, Butch Parker they were like the Two IC in the platoon sergeant, and you had Kev Blatley, who's a section commander, Stevie Leslie, Cope, Minge, Scotty McKinnon, all these sort of boys who were section commanders. So it was a great team, mate. It was yeah, it sounds mad. Yeah, it was really good. Huh?
1: <coughs> um so you touched on that was the first chance yeah. you were really getting a cha- uh, the op- opportunity to do light roll stuff. Were you doing OPs and
2: um,
0: <laughs> so we, we did the like team that, team OPs, mate? We did, in the sense of it would be high chance of compromise mate if you to do an OP in Northern Ireland. Same as like in yeah. Afghanistan, the locals see you coming a mile away. Yeah. Um, so what we used to do is just put a camera in. A camera, it'd be like the shape of a brick, you wouldn't even notice it was a camera mate. Dig that in, then, so we'd go out there with nothing, just this camera kit, dig a massive hole mate for the, uh, the battery pack and then the uh, UGS that you put either side, the ground sensors. And then you'd be coming back with a bergen with about three or four sandbags through soil back up the house, etc. <laughs> that, that camera had been there. Sorry, two seconds, mate. That camera might been there for I don't know, say about a month, and that's what your job was. You were then reporting on whatever you were looking at.
1: Yeah. Really
0: good. Really good.
1: That's quite interesting. I didn't realise that was that was going on. Um, yeah. I mean, I knew I knew they were utilizing cameras and stuff like that. I just didn't realise that you we were utilizing a camera in place of an actual manned op yeah.
0: because obviously the logistics are a lot more <coughs> man orientated if you're in there on the ground you know yourself with doing ops yeah. getting in yeah, whereas if you're just in there it's literally if they're in there for a long period of time you're just going out to change the battery and it's still yeah. the same level, So
1: it's just adapting procedures and techniques in it to, <laughs> to fit the to fit the environment
0: yeah, definitely. <coughs> Really
1: cool. Uh, you, you think you're a fucking alley cutting about Northern Ireland with your, I your pistol, the the is and that.
0: As you do, but you get that fear factor because you're yes. like, you, you might think you're alley, but you've got that there for a reason, mate. You yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's alley, but then that novelty wears off, and you are going to certain areas, and you're like, holding the steering wheel. With us <laughs> 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 hell, we shouldn't be here. We've come down the wrong way or some shit. Yeah, I mean some stuff like that. So that was uh, really good. It was really good. Eh?
1: That's class. Yeah. Um, had you had you had to do a a or was cop the 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 cop cadder, the cop course was that your central recicado? No,
0: no, so once we finished, so once the banner finished, we then re rolled into light light roll. Right. So British Parker and um, K Blackley, two IC in platoon Sam. David have LRCC. Uh, for people who don't know, it's like a recce commander's course, um, and that's in Warminster. stuff. So you, they come back and then take a recce card on Northern Ireland, getting us all up to a good standard ready because we were moving to uh, Fort George, Fort Fun. Uh, so that's that basically entailed that, so we done a recce card up there, which was six weeks long, it was basic in regards of what you could do and couldn't do in Northern Ireland because of the train areas, of on the great, you couldn't yeah. go and get toppled, if that makes sense. Um, so it, it was testing mate. it was good to understand the mechanics here and start to apply the actual questions. I'd done juniors by that point. So I understood the seven questions and then uh, obviously set the conditions. So then you're talking the bigger scales. You're not just thinking about a section or a platoon, you're talking about battle group level when you're talking about FUPs. So you're thinking outside the box. So simple something like, well, I can see three sentry positions. There's two guys in each, there's six men. Okay, so you're thinking, that's not just six men that's a professional unit, they're going to have at least another six men in there to relieve them. So we're thinking, right, okay, this needs to be maybe a platoon or a company's worth of attacks, so you need to set the conditions in order for that. Yeah. Whereas in juniors, you don't really, you, you scrape on it, but it's basically section level and platoon level. So when you do recce cadres it opens your eyes up to bigger pictures of the battle group level. As you know, because you didn't have the recce cadre yourself, mate. You know I mean? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> that's when you really got a full understanding. Um, that's when I got a full understanding of that the army is bigger than just a platoon and a company and even a yeah. battalion. Because when we were going in and we we're doing these lessons, it's like, right, here's an assembly area that you're going to have to set up for um, this company coming in, but then you need to do three assembly areas. We never actually done it, but it was just yeah. the lessons are being taught, right? When you go in and you're, you um, um, essentially establishing an assembly area for a company, you, you're going in there with eight guys and you're going to dig out, let's say, 30, 30 uh, shell scripts for a, for a platoon so they can come in, harbour up and then just go off on a line departure and across the, um, across yeah, the line it, departure on an attack. And then, But you've got three teams that are doing that for, for a company. but. Um, before that i never really understood that 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 was even going on and that there was a unit that would that would lead a company into a, an yeah. assembly area you know or lead a company th- lead a company through an area you know into you know, an FEP or anything i yes. just didn't understand that that was going on but on the recce carrier obviously learning all that sort of stuff definitely like you said opened my, opened my eyes up to to the wider world of the fucking army and how it operates um sorry
0: mate I, as you were saying you don't get to practice that in a company you don't when do you i don't i can't ever name a time when i was in a company that i'd ever got the opportunity to get laid in by the recce what i mean so yeah you, you wouldn't understand or know that until you do a recce kind and go oh, wait this is actually a role and responsibility that somebody does we've never done it get what i mean so get what I mean? You, you pick it up mate
1: well part of that as well is it like when you are when you are getting led in uh, as a company by the recce, there'd be three, four, five guys, or like you said, a team that would be leading a company. So,
2: yeah.
1: how how much a jo- how much attention is a jock paying attention to an extra four guys in, in that company? You know, one at the front, one at the back, and then two cut up and down the, the company, make sure everyone's in position. You uh, know, you don't yeah. you don't even know that that's going on, but there's there's a team that's leading you along your route to to where you, ever go, where you where you'll be going. But yeah, I'd, like. Like I said, unless somebody told me that that was going on, I would never have been able to just pick that out. That there was a, a team leading me somewhere. Yeah, um, what other things did you did you get from the recycader? Then did you did you get a sense of right? This is what I want to do. F- um, in terms of staying there or after juniors, did you want to get back to a duty company? <sighs>
0: Uh, no, really, mate. <clears throat> I like my role in the recce. Obviously, I was quite fortunate, and we talk about mentors and all that. I had Kev Blatley and Butch Packer. I mean, top top guys that probably taught me most things that I know, and I made, made shape me into a good leader that we talked about. So I was just keen to get back to them and develop because I'd only scratched the surface as a recce. And obviously, because I had a good foundation when I done juniors, I loved it. I, like I said, I love all that stuff, cutting about doing contacts, because I haven't done that for a while, especially yeah. if you're going to cop, and then into recce carders. But to actually going and do that stuff, cutting your brass, your, what's that? Yeah, your, your, what's the word I'm looking for? Your grassroots. Cut, what, cutting I'm your cloth. Deals. Yeah, you like that one, mate. Cutting about, <laughs> actually the I was loving it again, mate. I love juniors. I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, but then once it was finished, is it like, right, I'm now in a position to learn more about recce and how that develops in the brigade and how I can understand more. So it was good to get back and do that. Uh, and then obviously then I was a section commander in the recce going through the, the recce card itself and I've developed and learned more, which was really good. Yeah, a good time, mate.
1: Um, so when does that bring us up to? 2007,
0: 8? Yeah, yeah, probably about that. T- 2007, let me have a look. ICBC 2006 so that would have been 2007 so when we were leaving Northern Ireland there was a troll coming in to go to Bangladesh and to train their BDR, so the Border Outpost Unit, which I volunteered for and that was for four months so I left Northern Ireland and then went to Bangladesh and trained their BDR force on reconnaissance and jungle tactics, it was uh, a couple of paras, uh, two marines myself and a would it have been rifles then or L I would be one of them, eh? And we yeah. were out there and done that for four months, which was really good and interesting. But the their limitations was crazy, like they would one man one man would get a magazine of thirty rounds, blank rounds, and that was it. That was all they were <laughs> allowed. And you're like doing you know, all these dry contact drills, can okay? going through the recce contact drills, and jungle jo- uh, jungle drills and stuff like that into this. Yeah. And they'd only actually get one trial run with us with contact drills because they had no money. It's crazy, mate. That's Absolutely. mad.
1: What, how did that come about then?
0: <clears throat> just just one them. of
1: these STTTs that come up?
0: Yeah, literally just say oh, there's a troll <laughs> coming to go to Bangladesh. And I was like, yep. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> fucking that hell. was a screw single. I was like, yep, I'm going to do that. Send me. So, away we I went, mate? It's fantastic. Went down to, where was it? Folkestone. Uh, Folkestone, based out Folkestone, we based at of Folkestone. We'd done like some uh, training there because it was basically taking lessons and then we went out to Bangladesh itself, near Dhaka, to their base, we get put in their officers' mess, that's where we were all kept. And then every day we'd go in there and take lessons. So it would be a powerpoint, followed by a wee chute, rock drills, and then the next day we'd go out and practice it. And that was three day with three days you take the lead on some, you get another section, you do the same, another section. And then at the end of that, you then do a big exercise.
2: Yeah. It
0: was good, but it was a shame because of limitations. And obviously, their main aim was to stop people coming in their country, like drug smugglers and everything that. And their job was to protect their border. And they were taking an absolute pounding because a lot of areas are jungle, close combat. So some of the training we sent them was valuable, but they just didn't get to practice it, like i.e., going through contact drills, changing mags and stuff like that, actually utilizing. Right when he's firing, that's when you move. Ken, if that makes sense because you obviously yeah. had yourself when you were uh, invocating, you were, weren't you? Yeah when you know yourself when you're trying to train somebody with a language barrier but even in that the language barrier things can get crossed and muddled up when you're trying to teach somebody something they just don't pack up as easy so it was a shame Yeah, it was rewarding I fair enjoyed it mate I fair enjoyed my time out there
1: yeah it sounds like something that would be really uh, enjoyable um, yeah not many people get a chance to do an STTT that's as unique as that you know most of them will be out to I don't know out to Africa now or out to Um, i don't know if they're doing them in afghan or that but most of them will be out to africa now uh training up small units throughout um the central belt i would guess um with one of these specialists specialized infantry battalions you know one scots uh there's a royal welsh battalion i think the royal Irish, i think maybe the other ones i'm not entirely sure but
0: yeah
1: yeah so they're pretty much uh, wrapping up all them and then obviously you've got Paris and uh, SFSG will take a bunch of them as well yeah, which is just man. how the cookie crumbles um, did you did you get any chance to get any R&R while you were over there or no, post no, that
0: not, no not really mate so we got a couple of days in Dhaka before we went there to the actual college and then when we come back just got to look about and stuff like that uh, but no I'm, Major if that makes sense. We're yeah. in America. They say once as well. Excuse me, meeting them and having a conversation with them. Got to use a swimming pool in their gym and stuff, <laughs> which was quite nice. But, uh, I yeah, it was. It was interesting, mate. It was good. Yeah. Something I'd never done before because I'd finished finished juniors, finished juniors, juniors as a student, and then I was out then teaching the skills that I'd learned. To that's first time I'd ever taught that sort of stuff. So can are always? You're always going to find better ways to do it or make mistakes. Uh, and that's how, you, you know, you make mistakes in order to be better. Yeah. So I mean, came back for that more confident, which then is to um, Inverness. When I arrived back in Inverness. And so I, that I, would I mean, be like okay, be... 2008, right? <clears throat> yeah, 2008. So we've then done, I think we've done our first recce I think it was the first recce cadder. So in that space before, Heric 10, I've done a recce cadre and then a junior NCOs cadre, taught in both of them before we went to the BRF in Heric 10.
1: Right, so recce cadre, NCO cadre, did you, anything to, in particular that's worth picking out of them?
0: Uh, well, the recce cadre is just good practice. I mean, then, obviously at that stage I was still a student again, because um, I was still learning the foundations there. What was I? No, I wasn't. I'd went and done LRCC. When I right, came okay. Back, sorry. Yeah. So when I came back from Bangladesh and I arrived back in the fall in December, I was like, yeah, what's happening, boys? Where's my room? It was obviously in a uh, single bunk sort of thing, but un- like on boxes. I was like, all right, Ken Blackley's looking for you. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> LRCC, January 12th. I was like, what? Yeah, you're booked on it, mate. I was like, what? <laughs> so I then I had christmas leave came back and i had a week before i went to lrcc mate uh, and that was that's a that's that's a great course mate you learn right, a lot just, from that
1: yeah just uh just give a, a brief run over through that if you if you wouldn't mind just for the people well, for, i've not done it so i don't really know what's uh oh, what's involved
0: evolved, but, i know waddy's done it recently but when i done it, it was i think it was nine weeks long so you go down there and you do your foundation your map reading your AFE. Um, your military knowledge, your reconnaissance knowledge as an entry test, as well as an eight miler. And it's start point here keep up with the DS. If you can keep up with the DS, you don't have to map read. That's, that was that, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, the DS is like, hmm. and I'm like, holy fuck, the hell? And they did, it a, what did they did it in an hour and 36 or something like that. And I was like, an hour and 37. Like, it was only four folk that kept up with them. So I think I did well, considering I wasn't long back after Christmas leave. But uh, that was the entry test. And then you, you then moved on to it. Your next entry test was your night nabs. I don't know why they covered it, so you've got to pass your first oh. night nab in order to, to push through, if that makes sense. So all the, all the navigation and exercises you do, a night nab as such, is all tested. So you've done five of them throughout the course, and you needed to pass three in order to actually pass the course. So there was only four years, but a course of 32 that actually passed all five here mate and that they take no no prisoners like at the end of the course mate they failed the captain from the, their girls, they failed the colour I don't, don't remember what cat badge it was, and felt a full screw mate, felt free folk, stand up fail at the end, like and
1: what makes it so what makes it so rigid?
0: Because obviously it's
1: it seems to me like nabs nabs that like you're either in the right place or you're not. So what is it that?
0: Yeah, it's just because you're. It's obviously you might not You're carrying your normal twenty five kilo, but it's your timed to get. So that's where a lot of people fail because they're just not making the time. Pacing and the bearing, mate. Yeah, pacing and the bearing as well. A lot of people don't really understand pacing and the bearing. On neglect it and say, "Are oh, you? When will you ever do it?" But I mean, pacing and bearing is very important because one of the ones you do in Brecon is over the DZ. You know Dixies? Yeah, yeah. Dixies, you're to the right and then you're over the DZ. There's nothing there. So it's literally compass and pacing and bearing over like 1.2 kilometer. It's crazy, mate. It's mental some of the things you do in that. And they're very challenging. I found it very hard. I managed to do them all, but I was like, fucking hell, that's hard and it gets harder and harder. So like, it just be a normal kind of stamp, kind of normal... Um, it's called navigation bearing. markers yeah <laughs> yeah so but then the final two so you'll get to an area on the map where it says it is and on that it'll be an, another bit We say pacing and bearing 800 metres on this bearing and you've got to march pacing and bearing 800 metres and it'll literally be a siloom like that sticking up you can hardly see it dug in and the will the grass or run about it it'll have the wee marker on it because try and make it as <laughs> challenging as possible honestly but yeah really good I came back more of a rounded reconnaissance soldier after that mate, because okay, I mean, yeah. you learn a lot of shit. I was very fortunate that I did well in it. They, get, they let me do the platoon sergeant's part of it, because I smashed my command appointments, they meant, right, okay, we'll let you do your platoon sergeant, your 2IC, which is resupplying that, which meant when I then went to do recce 2IC, I didn't have to go back and do it, because I was right. that tick in the box, which was good.
1: <coughs> and so, what are the... How did the... Uh, command appointments come about. Is it is it kind of similar to juniors and seniors, where it's someone will get like a I don't know a boxy one, like an advanced contact, and then someday will get like a a night you know complex attack on a building or something like that. Is there difficult ones and then easier ones, or is it are they all kind of really challenging? They're all,
0: they're all different because we're all different, mate. So you're anywhere platoon commanders, platoon So I was the only I was only on screwing my team. So I had two officers. A colour sergeant and two sergeants, and myself and this team. So they had to work round their platoon commanders, their platoon sergeant appointments, if that makes sense. And then I was a section commander, so I was the jumpy gunner all the time. <laughs> they were all small jumpy gunner, constantly until I was section commander. I was like, fucking hell, must be my time to be section commander here. <laughs> uh, so I had an OP, uh, an advanced to contact, which is different for the recce, obviously we set the conditions and that's proper like you say so we go forward see the enemy do a mini recce lead the company in, set the conditions and then we push off to the flanks or push forward let the company do the destroy part because that's not ours Uh, so that was really good because you would all your assets available so you had the test kit on so you could call an idf and everything like that to screen areas to try and push them different ways it was really good mate yeah what else uh, What,
1: what type of op did you have
0: Subsurface, fulls, everything was a, right. we done one bush hide, everything's subsurface. So, honestly, I've never dug so much in all my life. I remember doing, <laughs> I was in charge of a route wreck, mate, right? So, we got to a route recie, got to a bridge, right? Happy days, actually you here, command appointment change. Look, fucking, here we go, jumpy back on, yep, they bother. The bridge is blown, river cross. Look, see, here we go. So, then, <laughs> river cross, got on and got <laughs> this is a platoon, obviously, done a normal, securing the banks, straight out. Into an OP, dug all night mate, I mean all night, and it felt like really good OP, obviously, had a and in there, we dug it blind. Command appointment change, right, call sharp, you're now in charge, new platoon Commander, I don't like where your OP's looking, I need you to cover this way. What? So we then had to do, aye, right, then had to dig a belly hide across the other side of the road to cover this forest block during daylight hours mate, It's horrendous no sleep whatsoever so clap this kind of collapse that OP that would be like the back OP push forward create this bush sort of subsurface hide for a belly hide so there we were command appointment so I'm in there all day had no sleep mate <laughs> all day and then just as the last light happened right okay command appointment change <laughs> away again you're heading to an RV to get picked up no other lie mate so we're tabbing along I'm in my GPMG next thing. I wake up I'm in the floor fell asleep <laughs> I fell asleep. asleep they Whoa, what happened there? But fell asleep, mate. Walking with Jim t- like Fuck hell, very I've, sexy.
1: I've talked about it before in the, on the on one of these episodes uh, about people falling asleep standing up and people falling asleep walking. <laughs> like until you see it, you just don't believe that someone can do it. Yeah. I first okay. seen it, and then it actually happened to me. Uh, I think we were on one of those fucking exercises. It's like not hard pounding what's one of the ones before it on seniors and um we we're just patrolling along a fucking we we're not even patrolling we we're just tapping along a uh a, a road from one location to the next non tack, semi non tack. and <laughs> yeah. uh and mate i can just feel my feet just starting to slap the floor more and then out of a sudden i'm like off to one side and then i'm like get regaining my like sort of consciousness and then i'm I feel like yeah. I'm starting to hallucinate, and I'm just kind of I can just feel my the weight of my body just all over the place, and then ended up falling over, and then that was it. That was kind of like what what woke me up, but um, yeah. I never fell asleep, and like like you, yeah. I just kind of up falling oh. over, but that kind of woke me up, and I was like Jesus Christ, I was like falling asleep there, but I seen boys falling asleep like tabbing as well. I've seen boys falling asleep, literally just standing up at orders and madness, <laughs> mate.
0: People just don't realise, baby, how you know, some of these courses horrendous, like you don't get any sleep and people always say, ah, I hardly get any sleep. But you're like, No, I genuinely had no yeah. sleep. And you dug all night, then dug all day. You're you're absolutely goosed. And that's like that was final exercise, if that makes sense. So you're ready fucked anyhow. Yeah. And you can speak to anybody else that was down there. So the LRCC gets run by the javelin DCs and the motors, and I was doing every steely, and he'd be finished on a Friday at two o'clock. And the LRCC boys would be coming in at four o'clock. Absolutely <laughs> fucked me. I mean, fuck. Just like you'd like laughing. At me, you know, and I'd be like, "Fuck okay, you!" Absolutely fucked me. But yeah, one of the best courses I've ever done. Really good, mate. Really, yeah. really good eh? so, um,
2: um,
1: and I guess that was a that was a good um, good to get that call under your under your boots before you <laughs> went in at the BRF.
0: Yeah, definitely. I so that is before we even knew anything about that. That was just you need to go and do this. The recce needs another section commander. It's qualified. So there was only Butch, Kev, and then me. It was qualified in the platoon. So that was they needed somebody else to do. I think the platoon commander was. I was. Well, Johnson. He'd done it as well. Um, and then obviously from there we then got told. are going to hit at ten, as you know yourself. And then the brigade commander come up and spoke to the battalion, but then pulled the recce aside and he was like, what's your aspirations, boys? Which think you're going to be doing?" And we caught wind it. And I was like, BRF? He's like, who are you? We caught Sharps sir. BRF me. I was like, all right, OK, yeah, we'll see. That'll be coming. And then, obviously, we then, like, everybody wanted to do it, but we couldn't send everybody, if that makes sense. We yeah. so had like an aiming sort of mini-cada for the people who did want to go. <clears throat> and then they sent us down to Warminster, to do the BRF card for a company, and I think that must have been over a hundred people there to start with, easy, uh, in order to be the, the BRF. Uh, and the OC was S, uh, SRA. Yeah. Car, the, car, the, the company two IC was an LE, uh, SES. Get what I mean? So it was very grounded. Uh, and the main cohort was the Messings. They kind of run it. So some major was the. Uh, uh, Mercians and it kind of picked from there. Yeah. So within the Cada, which was cheeky, but obviously it's my it was my bread and butter. Most people were doing there for the Black Watch. I think we only had maybe two that didn't get in, something like that. It was sort bread and butter, so we smashed it. We were obviously loved straight away because of the Jock Butler and So the main ones were Black Watch, Rifles, Welsh Guards, Mercians, and then a load of mixture cat badges, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which was great. I'd never worked with anything like that before. Uh, done the Cada. And then that was us, yeah, primed, but then as soon as you get selected for that, you then, we therefore there for, what was that, about seven months before we went out, and we just- did yeah, PDT. Me. Yeah, PDT, <laughs> we're based out of a few areas, but we're down in Lyd, doing like the COP course again, but it was run like the BRF course sort of thing, so it was right. the same sort of tactics, but it was made along with armoured reconnaissance as such, uh, so we had done that, and then we had done our own sort of training in Warminster, it was really good, mate. It, it, really good foundation because it was completely mixed cart badge, which we'll talk about when we go to Herrick like how diverse it was and how effective it was. I never thought anything like it. If you say, But you want me to work with signals? Eh. No way. He kind of goes a lead scout. Like yeah, that yeah. sort of thing it has to be a bayonet. But not mate, totally, because we were so prepared. We even had, I think we had two reserves. It was with us. One of the guys that was reserves It was my team was an absolute unit. LMG gunner, team ECM Red. He was an absolute unit, mate. Like, total switched on guy. Okay, I mean, so it was completely broadened. It was fantastic, mate. And that was just the pre-course before we went to Eric 10 itself.
1: <coughs> and were you completely separate for the battalion?
0: <coughs> All right. Battalion that touches me. So we've had a... Away Monday to Friday and came back at the weekends. We got a minibus to the battalion, that was it. And literally wherever we were, we travelled up on a Friday night. So in the <laughs> the PRF course we'd finish about two or three, they were good to let us go. We bit early. we'd drive all the way up to the fort, arrive Saturday morning, get the heat done, wake up, go in the pass, nevertheless, and then have all day Sunday recover, leave about six o'clock Sunday. Get to LID at 4 o'clock in the morning. It was like me, G Davidson, Mo Morrison, Matt Straffairn, all these, Ken Blatley, Ross Dane, all these sort of boys. <laughs> uh, get back there, have a bit of two hours, sleep, get up, smash a Mars bar and then go do PT. <laughs> it was wild, mate. absolutely wild. Huh? We've done that for about what, six, seven weeks, mate. Six, mate seven jo- weeks.
1: Jocks get fucked on courses because all the courses are down the bottom of England. <laughs>
0: Constantly mate, doing breaking in that as well. well. That's how it just comes jocks breakings just like jock paradise, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean it? I just seem to stay there, mate. I mean bro. that's mad.
1: Um so how <laughs> how fucking uh how I don't know if excited is the word, but it probably is. How excited were you for going on Herak then or how oh, fucking excited? Here.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, you know yourself, mate, that's your bread and butter. That was, a uh, yeah, totally, mate, buzzing, couldn't have wait. All yous were. And then obviously didn't realise the role that we were doing because the Brigade Commander was SRR as well, which we didn't know till later on. So we were basically the Brigade Commander's own little force. We were his company that he could do whatever he wanted with. So we set, we, firstly, when we got out there, then all normal checks get bedded in, R&R, PDT, all that sort of stuff when you're there, or PRT, sorry. <clears throat> and then they said it was down to, I think you were well there, Fob Dwyer, down Garmacia. Yeah. So we were there before we got into the Americans' bloody massive airfield, never like that. We were there when it was just uh, like Dragoons and us, it was down there. And we got in some tasty contacts because Garmacia was known as the snake's head and the snake's belly, do you know all that? Yeah. So we were at the top, basically just providing flight protection and pushing into these areas to push back the Taliban. And that was at the very first month. And that was just a... Uh, well, it was troops. So we were two troop um, elements of FSG. One troop and elements of FSG went north to help up there. But it was fantastic, mate. Really good. There. And that was just the first month, and then obviously it just got better from there. Doing some of the stuff.
1: When I got when <laughs> I got to <laughs> Fob Dwyer, it was near the end of the tour. So if you're saying that's where you were at the start, then God knows how you managed to survive. It was Fob Dwyer is moon dust on top yeah. of moon dust. I don't know how they because fu- when I it was the US Marines that, that uh, had the FOB when, when I got there uh, when we got there um, and they had I don't know they had very little there and they were just building it mate so it felt yeah. like um, but we landed on a fucking runway there was a runway <sighs> but there was, there was near cook like there wasn't a decent cookhouse or then. it's mental um, and we got we got there we had a, I think we had maybe two companies i don't know if we had two companies or just one but anyway i know Bra- i was part of bravo company and when we got there bravo company got put in these tents big 120 man tents and uh it was like right lads go and try and get some scoff or whatever because we'd missed lunch and we'd, i think we just missed dinner and all that sort of stuff as yeah. well so when we go in it's like right lads go and try and get scoff and we ended up going to the some boys ended up finding like a a uh, subway sandwich place. It not like actual subway, but like a baguette bar. Yeah. And it fucking demolished it. in about ten minutes. Everyone was gone. And this baguette bar is meant to be for like the odd straggler who misses a meal because he's been on stag or something. But no. obviously we we didn't know. And all the boys, it's absolutely smashed it. And then about half an hour later, somebody went into their uh, uh, welfare tent and broke the the guitar hero. So after that, we were banished, oh, banished to our tents. So <laughs> for the next day <laughs> the whole company was sitting in the tents meeting the peak heat um and we never had any acr in and we that was when we we got um given a big bunch of a big pallet mres i mean everyone was next doing like doing the swaps like oh give me that give me that and i'll swap you my skittles for this and give me
2: some
1: <laughs> butter and that crackers
0: but it was funny man we're just sitting in the tent eight all day waiting at the boy. great but yeah that was some place, mate. When we went there, it was, they'd just taken over. So it was just a teeny wee camp, but they just created this big, massive space. Like, I, there was a runway going in here. We're like, what? I mean, uh, I got speaking to American guys, because they used to come round and check the sangers to see what it was. And I had a can I and brew there. And one of the, these two American marine boys come up, chatting away to me. And they're like, because obviously, we are to a shot and stag, as you do, yeah? And I'm stood there and I say, hey man, what's that? And I was like, oh, this is, uh, this is Scottish. This is uh, Scotland's famous drink, it's made by real girdles. He's like, What? So it's like, You want a drink? <laughs> He's like, ah. it's right here. So I gave them a can, eh? I said, You have to you have to get it cold though. Don't eat, don't drink it till it's it's been cooled. He says, No problem. Come back the next day, mate, why you buy the rest of it off mate? I was like, That's fucking brilliant. Can I mean? And that was the old cans when it was sugar galore, I mean? Yeah, so I mean that's for it, mate. But I that was my fond memories of uh, bumping into the marines down there, like they were gagging for Mary the Iron brew <laughs>
1: Um, so what was the situation down in Garmercia Then you, you mentioned you got into uh, some pretty tasty stuff, and like what we what was the BRF doing? Like what were they, what were they tasked with at that point?
0: Uh, so we were just so the river that run up it. So we are basically this side of the camp. You're know, there. The British elements I forget what unit was there. The bonus mate. They were just getting ready to rip out because uh, we were there quite early for the battle group. Uh, we were just down there providing flank protection. So we were over there, because I was with the 50 cows and the GMGs. So if they needed any sort of support, we had the capability and the range to bring that into them. So we had, what, probably about 12 12 or 13 jackals whenever we went out, just with that firepower to support them. Uh, And then obviously we'd push over the bridge and then push in when they went further down. eh? So that was great. That was early on, so it was good. It was a good bed in, if that makes sense. Cause it wasn't it was tasty but it wasn't a full-on tasty if that makes sense it was good yeah. better in uh, and then from there that's when it started to get obviously ramped up and uh, we, we, we then get tasked to do loads of stuff after that next one was uh, Musicala <clears throat> which we're unfortunately we lost one of our boys well two one of the boys that was attached is a uh, uh, one para boy and then one of your guys they they had a I think it must have been a legacy at the time and completely just wrecked the uh, the Jacko and Fozzie was the gunner. Huh? That was up in uh, Musakala And that was tasty. That was pure tasty. That went for from a kind of level to straight up there. Because Musacalla is quite tasty anyhow. But we were yeah. up there and supporting the Welsh Guards. They were out with our Warriors. Basically dominating a certain area. So we were just supporting them. Uh, and yeah, it was full on fighting every day. Pretty much, mate. And unfortunate, we ended up putting a legacy anti-tank mine, which we lost to our boys. Uh, so um... that wasn't best as
1: such mate. So was that, was, I'm going to guess that I was out in the desert then if it was a, a mine?
0: Yeah I mate, mean, it wasn't my troop as such but basically they were uh, they, they were going up a track mate and uh, they had the Tiger teams, the triple floor Tiger teams. Yep. They were there, never were struggling with the vehicle and literally they was go left ever so slightly mate just so they could have a look to see if they needed to go back off the track, not even a meter mate, and it was just there. Very unlucky mate, and it was a track that they'd created, it's not like it was a legacy track, it was up the side of a hill, so it's not like it would have been placed there by the Taliban yeah. mate, that was just, a, you know what it it's like, there was mines yeah. everywhere in Africa, right? it's one of It's, it's just one of fun. the
1: most mined countries in the world man.
0: Yeah I know mate, crazy yeah, so uh, that was a uh, culture shock as such mate.
1: Especially yeah, getting man. hit in the desert mate, or... Oh not yeah. on a fucking VA or VP, you know, is that pretty hard to deal with throughout
0: the the yeah. BRF? Yeah, I, th- that was one troop, so we were over on the western flank, they were pushed up by an OP going along the mountain, uh, basically to get eyes on, so the Welsh guards were in doing their bit with the Warriors, and we were over on the western side providing flank and pushing into the ground, and then one troop on the eastern side providing flank and pushing in, and that happened, mate, so uh, that was kind of, Kind of a shocker as such. Before that, we had other areas where obviously G. Davidson got blown up, but you know, they, they boys were all right as such. So did the Saint Major. They had a, a mine as well, or an IED going into Kazivak they boys. Eh? So it started after Musa, after when we we're doing a Dwyer, it ramped up for us, mate. If that makes yeah. sense. Eh? Just well, get spearheaded.
1: <laughs> what was it like for you as a search commander then at, at that point when you're getting into all these all these testy situations when you get to Kala and stuff like that? Uh, really what your main more concerns, more... like obviously your main concerns with your lads, but like in terms of tactically, what, what are your main concerns that you're dealing with day to so, day?
0: I think uh, when you're in Musakala, it was we had loads of support, if that makes sense. So it was mainly vehicle orientated. Later on in the tour, when we were on through that's when it was proper, you know, hand in hand, sort of close quarter combats fighting. So that's where tactics were more involved. I think for myself, I was... Probably about 80% of the time leading the company wherever we went. That was my main biggest fear, is obviously hitting an IED myself. Uh, I used to get absolutely destroyed by tails all the time for it. He used to think I volunteered as mate. That's what he used to see. <laughs> one of the things he, he fucking chucked a bottle of water in the back of the heater. Like, Fuck you, then. see fucking still volunteering us for this shit. I'm like, I'm fucking to stick like out what I volunteered Wagon, get you know what I mean? Uh, so that was the main one. Uh, the concerns which we'll talk about when I talk about some of the Ops today. In regards of tactics, it's mainly with your vehicles, it's it's working off jockeying and supporting each other. i always been within, you know, 50 metres 100 metres of a call sign, a buddy-buddy system in order to work. So I was 2-1 Chalice, I was the front and then the platoon commander was behind me. So we kind of worked in That was our sort of battle buddy as we moved forward. Obviously, you know yourself when you're on. As a section level, we worked as a company aspect. Yeah. it was a uh, really good well tactics is what gun
1: did you have on on uh, on the platform
0: we had the 50 cow and then my jump in the front so hi. Was, through- moments-
1: was that through choice
0: that uh, you had the 50. Yeah, yeah, so we went in there looking at vehicles. I was like, we're having that one. 50 <laughs> the is fantastic, mate. Fantastic bit of broke. I mean, but you're like fifty cow. Let's take that tails. You want that? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, brilliant,
1: mate. Uh, the boys got some uh, got some rounds down down in uh, Herrick Fifteen with tails and ads and all them. They were their multiple got um, we got in a big contact in Herrick Fifteen and they got a bunch of fifty cow and. Uh, GMG off in one of one of the engagements we had doing a uh, fast support for us to um, do a fight and withdrawal from a from a field that we got ambushed in, but they were up on the up on the high ground on the on the, on the to our left flank and huskies mate we had three huskies two GMG uh, two HMGs and a GMG mate and they were just pounding at the same time we had an A10 coming in doing strafes as well mate it was fucking insane we we're doing a fight oh, and withdraw through this through this field mate madness.
0: But uh um, crazy, Yeah. The so you get out uh, there in Afghan, the elements you keep calling to help her, you know, second to none, mate.
1: Yeah. You know I, mean? I, I don't know I don't know how much eat like a, a re, just a regular patrol would be getting out of a out of a checkpoint. But obviously yeah. I was with a the recade then as well. So we had a JTAC that was constantly attached to us. And then we had this marine guy, he was some sort of I don't know. Fa- like even like a level above a JTAC if that's a thing. Uh, I don't I don't yeah. know. But he had him and he was he had all sorts of you know you got these the mad radios and stuff that no one has a clue what it is. Yeah. He just had that yeah. and he was he was a marine captain out there on his own just doing I don't know JTAC business, but somebody will probably know what, what he was doing. But I never it just he was just always on the radio talking to the boss. But yeah. um yeah, support that some units gets crazy, but I I don't know if it's I don't know if every every fucking sort of section would get the same thing. Um, yeah. Others are getting... Nonetheless, it was fucking madness anyway.
0: Oh, I definitely, mate.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm going to I guess mean, then Herak Her- Her- 10 was massive for you then in, in terms of a step up for, for your, your tour experience, operational experience.
0: Oh, we were, uh, as I said, very fortunate with the team that we had. So talk about my section alone, so... My lead, get, my lead scout was a lance jack in the signals. Then me, and then behind me was a, a full screw in the, uh, in the engineers, Sammy, literally. Sammy, going and blow a hole in that wall so I can get in it. We had then tails with Ben, who was the reserve boy. Then had a sergeant who was an armorer, uh, And then we had a, another couple of jocks. I think one of them was rifles and little shit off the top. And Blakey was my two IC. So you had two screws. A sergeant, and Blakey was a 2IC as well. That's how complex it was, mate, and it was, it was brilliant how it worked out. It was really, really yeah. good there. So understanding the capabilities of just having a multi cat badge in your team was brilliant, mate, because you could just do anything. Like, I've had a problem with my radio. Lee was the signaler. Go and fix that, Lee. Boom. I need in that building. Sammy so would blow a hole in it. One of the weapons broken had an armourer there that able to fix it. And then my driver was a, a Remy VM as well. So any problems with the vehicle, you're total self-sufficient, mate. And you needed to be with the BRF because some of the jobs that we done when we went to take on Barbie G itself, mate. Can you know what I mean? Because that was the first time I actually got to employ recce by fire. So Fob Wahid, newsboys yeah. boys obviously take that. We done the, the full recce picture on that. So when we went to find out all the mechanics of Fob Wahid we went in there with two Danish Leopard tanks. And a full company worth and was just in the limelight. Come on, bring it on. We fired a couple of RPGs at <laughs> the Leopard bags. So they fired a couple of warning shots back. <laughs> boom, boom. And actually, just a big mass of fight broke. But while this was happening, the UAV was at the top, just clocking where the Taliban was coming from. All right, this is where their ammo's coming from. This is a reinforcement. There's one, two, three, four, five, six positions. There's where their casualties are going. So prate, the Black Watch going in. They just went hellfires wiped the floor with them, which then meant you boys when you went in, it wasn't gonna be as tasty, yeah. So we done some great jobs, mate, and we done another job just along for you. So you had Fob Wahid and then Spin Majed, which is just along the road. And that's when um, one troop we were all given fire support, one troop went on foot and fully assaulted this enemy Taliban position. I don't know how many of the smashed, but they came back with a Taliban flag mate. Hey. Captain Johnson, Came back with a Taliban flag, mate. Honestly, some of the stuff they done, and probably he my favourite one. He, he better still have that fucking flag. I don't know. I don't know who had it because he was one troop. So he, he wasn't in the Black Watch. When he was the only person that was in that for the Black Watch, if that makes sense. Right. We had the Black Line. The main areas were all in that sort of area.
1: But, but I mean, you one, you, do, you don't want to fucking lose that, regardless of who it went to. You know what I mean?
0: I'll be somewhere. I'll uh, be somewhere, Dave. Yeah, my favourite, right, no word to lie, was when I was attached to one troop, so my platoon went R and R. I had R and R slightly different. Uh, I got attached to one troop. I've never done it never thought I'd ever done any of this in my life, mate. Fire support on the Halgum, fast support, and we did a River Cross. We river crossed the, the River helmin mate, as a platoon and a company strength, river crossed uh, the River helmin, and went in and conducted a raid, mate, in the morning. <laughs> I was like, This there's no way like you're, you're kidding me, we're gonna do this, honestly. There we are. cat swimming across, mate. Out the other side, cut back on. I not got text up as you know, because you're looking at them. just a webbing and that in a boat, and we just swam across with the boat and teams, all cut back on, launched into an area and then smashed into a raid, mate. Brilliant, mate. Absolutely some of the stuff that we could do, because we were the 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 brigade commanders on the militia would have a good word to say it. Oh, brilliant, mate. Absolutely yeah. brilliant.
1: I mean it fucking it sounds epic, man, but you never really done a good job for uh for lighting us lighting a, lightening the load up uh, for us and her and Panchay Palang. You got fucking tanked.
0: But that wasn't us though, mate. Remember we just set the conditions and then the assets should have done that. While you've done that, we then bounce around to the eastern <laughs> flank and done oh, brilliant, mate. You What's set the conditions so bad, for
1: them to reinforce.
0: <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well we had to go back to Forb Waheed when you used over to the Welsh Guards. We had to go back because they were so stretched, obviously they would a pound in, didn't they? Their CEO yeah. and everybody, you know, got hit. So we had to go back And as a company strength and just to the, the west or the left side of for was the bazaar, remember that? Yeah, yeah. In the wee village. Yeah. So across they were, it, the, the it was across.
1: So you had Wahid, then you had the wadi, then the, the village.
0: Yeah, so that full area was run by the Taliban, mate. And obviously Black Watt pushed that right back there. There wasn't nobody there. The Welsh Guards staying over and they got overrun because they were so stretched. So we get tasked, this was later on in the tour, to go back in there and flush them out and go down this laced uh, IED road, mate. It was mental, absolutely mental. And I think the final thing that I have about Henrik 10 was we finished in um, uh, PB4. That was our final task is Herrick 10 was to support the Mercians and push back the Taliban because again they were all getting stretched because I think used had, had been retasked at this point, you were it's away amazing. back in Kandahar so they, we had to go back in and backfill the guys and then kind of push on and help the guys. It, it was here, it was what tour that was there well, that was, well, we the had,
1: was that after, straight after uh, Panthers
0: Claw? <clears throat> yeah pretty much mate, it right. was the back end of Panthers Claw after all that had happened we get retasked again and help out because everybody team obviously done the big fight. They were all tired. Numbers started to get stretched to take over these PBs. You had like PB one, where was it? Fob Price. And then you had like what was it four or five different PBs all the way down there, and then try to get VCPs to control that area. It was quite hard for them today, so we kind of pushed in from Fob Price and our away, doing set up our own PB, pushed out, smashed the Taliban, came back, and then just kept moving south. Yeah. support my map, and then we finished at PB4 and we were there for we were there for about two or three weeks mate just helping the guys down there which was yeah. the nurses at the time yeah
1: because really uh, after uh, on Panchai Palang we came sh- like must have been in terms of getting off the ground to being back in the UK it must have been about three days from finishing that it was like a 19 day op um, and we'd been pretty much at it every single day for that whole yeah. time Um and it was just fucking insane, mate. Like that was my first op as a brand, as a as an eighteen year old private soldier, mate. And that's that was my first experience, mate, as an LMG gunner,
2: mate.
1: Um, and it's it, it's funny, mate, because on that op, mate, first op, LMG gunner, and twice it was uh, came over the over the PRR and it was going down the line, fixed bayonets, and I a fucking was a fucking LMG gunner, mate. <laughs> i pulled it out and i was like please please just fit on somehow
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh mate. I, remember, I remember
1: patrolling mate i remember patrolling because uh, it was like right you fixed bayonets they're fucking, they're they're all around us mate we don't know exactly where they are so i remember i had it just on my left side of my day sack so i pulled it pulled it out and i was just like had it like holding it in my hand, but also holding my gun in my hand. So like if the bayonet yeah. had the bayonet there good to go, I was just fucking dying for something to pop out and try and attack me or something
0: like that. Yeah, great mate. Great mate.
1: It, it never happened. Um mate. <laughs> next
2: time.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> well, yeah, that was, was a mad time, man. Absolute mad. Um What what other what other um tasks were you, were you up to before the end of your tour?
0: Yeah, that was mainly it, mate. We were obviously done, we obviously, the recce party. We were done the full 360 of Babaji before, before it happened. Uh, and then basically just pushed in different areas to try and push the Taliban away to try and ease the burden and different call signs and moving we in. And then once all of that had done and we secured Babaji, we, we were just basically reinforcement, mate, helping out and going doing clearance patrols and Advanced the contacts and everything like that, so we were getting a lot of a lot of tasty fights. can I mean? I mean a hell of a lot of tasty fights, and uh, everybody wanted us because we came with all these assets. You know, brf we had everything. Name the asset we would get it. Warthogs, you know, UAVs. We had the Army Desert Hawk team mate that came with us. Can't I mean? <laughs> so we had the rain Look team as well, and our vehicles are in loot team. So whenever the enemy were there, we could try and let out we were. All right, happy day's getting the mortars out. Let's just put some mortars on that area. So we're very self-sufficient so most people wanted to work with us and they were always asking for us to get, him to get in there but those he was kind of bat off certain stuff because he knew what other tasks we had in our head so we could talk yeah what's, uh, what's,
1: what's the picture you've got behind you
0: all right so this is that's a uh, that's head 10 so that that photo there so this is a uh, spin the jet, the one i told you about when they get the flag yeah so much as you can see up there that's the uh, leopard two uh, and the vehicle that's currently down, that's G Davidson's vehicle, and Richie Mason, that's yeah. their vehicle. Uh, who's getting, obviously, they're getting Cente Kazivak, and the SAT Major comes in, and then he hits another one. He gets flung up, mate, and the GPMG comes out his cradle and follows him and fucking whacks him right in the mouth, mate. Knocks him out clean, lands in the floor, and he's out. And everybody's like, I thought yeah, that was him, dude. But then he gets back up, and he's just like, coming <laughs> <laughs> and on doing his job, mate. Aye, uh, so that's yeah.
1: that's the that's the one and you
0: know the other one along there. Oh right. a yeah.
1: Yeah. We'll about that in a wee bit, bud. So, um but uh, obviously Sharpie you're a fucking military cross winner, so if you wouldn't mind just fucking give us a, a, a wee run through what happened there.
0: Yeah, so what we'll see with that day right, is yeah, I won the military cross, but I was only the commander on the day, mate. So I get the award because I was in charge, but everybody else on that day was there taking a pound in with me, I done nothing special, I just happened to be the commander, Um, so what happened with that, there's one I told you about when the Welsh Guards stayed over and we had to go and support the over to the bazaar that area, so we're in there, um, full company, 33 jackals in support, uh, drivers in the vehicles. Sections out, so there was two platoon, two platoon was on the main flank pushing into the actual bazaar itself. Uh, the village at the back on the eastern side was Loxie in his section, on the western side was my section. So, me, Tails, Blakey for the Black Watch, it was in that, uh, and all the other boys I've talked about already. So, literally, we cleared all the way down there, no problem whatsoever, mate. Well, are like, what's the big fuss, Can There's need to hear my kids coming out. The normal calam, pen, chocolate, biscuits, ask and all that. Actually, it changed like that mate, like that massively. And the GPMG gunner was a, another boy I forgot to mention, Praz, Section Commander, Mottles, Bravo MSC as well. Uh, he was in the jumpy. <clears throat> it was literally a corner like this, so we're here, he's covered down there, big open compound in the back, 12 foot high walls and uh, one of the boys is just like, do you know what? I've been in loads of contacts and I have never seen one of these people up close in person. And the boy was a bit of a jinx. Willie's name is. He was a sharpshooter. English boy, I'm like, shut the fuck up Willie, really? a jinx. <laughs> As we said that, contact RPG. Prize takes a shot, gets a stoppage. So straight away, I'm up, jump round the corner. This wee guy with RPG, fires RPG, goes fff, straight past my shoulder, just misses his. If it hits, even it goes over my shoulder and hits the wall behind us, we we're probably killed a bit sexy. As it? it was yeah. fleeing past, had a of fire with a UGL. You start <laughs> doing a fight. with would you do? UGL doing a fight with. And I remember Dale's was a uh, LMG gunner, and I'm like, Dale's cover that, and he's fucking shouting at me. What? What do you want me to do? Fucking cover his. And he runs past me. You're a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets down so we can peel back as a as a section to get to the next bit so I then take point right tails and you come and then we reinsert but at this point I'm like we, because of the walls we've got totally total tunneled so I was like no we can't do this so we start hitting the roofs so we clean up onto the roof start moving forward and then basically if we have the contact was there we managed to push past that wall eh, and got on the roof there it was like a like a hump shape, kind of like a bridge yeah, shape, yeah. sort of. We were facing. It was just a big, mass, open field like that. There was a mosque in the corner, and then there was a, a basically a wood line that run all the way down there, by a canal, and that was us, mate. There for eleven hours, just taking a smashing. So, basically, the full team is in there, just constantly under contact for all different directions. It was just chaos, mate. Absolute chaos. We had. Mortars in support. We had the GNGs filing for the, uh, the jackals at the back. We had 18 uh, warthogs come in and do two strafing runs. We had LASM's getting fired. We had a 500-pound bomb queued up, ready to hit the mosque. But I was like, I don't know who's in the mosque, so we kind of do that. Literally all the assets in the world fighting with this. And it was 11 hours just constant, just constant fighting, mate. Yeah.
1: That's
0: what... Basically what, what happened, mate. Um... <clears throat> What did you personally
1: like? Uh, what assets did you personally request?
0: Uh, the Warthogs. So I was called, obviously, I'm on the one. Blakey had a radio, but he was dealing with it, certain aspects. So we kind of split the teams in in sections because it was a big area to cover. So it was like, like Blakey, you kind of cover this sort of area. how to do our acts so like a good section commander that we would do. Blakey's cutting about, trying to do ammo resupplies. Uh, obviously, we're water and stuff like that, but we're on this roof. It's very exposed. So I was calling in the GNG. Try to get accurate fire onto the canal. Uh, so basically the tree line. when we eventually got to it, was a river up to their neck. So they were using that, so we're just jumping in the water, coming along, getting up, finding points to hit us and just smashing us. So I called down, we had the GMGs, they were given fire support. We then had the motors, which then ended the mission, but that was later on. We had two strafing runs for the Warthogs A-10 Thunderbolts. The first one came in, they came into the north side, basically strafed down the field in the front of the tree line and then the second time we got it to come east to west to strafe along the actual line here yeah, mate, we gave them a pounding so over the icon, they were feared, they didn't know want to move because we'd absolutely hounded them for 11 hours Plus, we were taking the hounding I think the funny thing was I don't think everybody, I don't think the rest of the company realised how bad it was the OC came up, he was asking me, I was by the end of it mate could hardly think straight, he was like could we get jackals in here? could be put an air in? And I'm like, Ken, absolutely fucked. I like, yeah, I think so. I think you should come and have a look. Him and the platoon commander come and have a look. Stick the heat up, mate. And it just goes, <laughs> they're like, fucking hell. And I'm like, fuck, you <laughs> have bad omens, <laughs> get the fuck. And then, right again, massive contact again. They're like, geez, oh. Uh, but then, that, yeah, the full team, everybody on that roof was fantastic, mate. Ken, that was, boys, I didn't have to give any orders, I just relied completely on them. So I'm in here coordinating stuff, feeding back information, I had tails pinging out to me, fire control orders, trying to bring me up the rest of the section onto it. Blakey cutting about doing his job as he should be. I mean, mate, everybody in the hall was fantastic, mate. I get the military cross because I was a commander on the ground, mate. That's, you know what I mean? I, I, I would never take it in and away for everybody that was there, bud.
1: Yeah, I think most people that do get, get an award like that, um... You know they fucking they, they say the exact same thing, but there's a reason why it gets awarded to, to one person. You know, it's I think um, it's obviously definitely definitely something that you def you should be proud of. You know, it's a oh, it's yeah. an achievement that you've that you've uh, done yourself, but obviously it's your team that's fucking managed to, to to do it. It's just it's just good that you get a recognition for your team's effort. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it sounds fucking quality. Um, at the time, did you did you recognise that it was something that might be significant?
0: No, nah, mate, there was too much going on, mate. It was just, honestly, it was constant, David. just It was literally, I was, I walked away at that and I was like, how the fuck did we not get hit? How did nobody get hit for that? I have no idea, mate. Because it was just constant, mate, constant fire in it. And literally, we're moving and you're literally, these rooftops are actually lying in the top or you're in a wee cove Ken is the crest there. It was just bare ass open, trying to coordinate. I just honestly, when I, I didn't think any near it, I was just like, I was just so glad it was over. I was like, thank fuck, we did not lose anybody because yeah. that was tasty, mate. I could, t- I, I had massive heat, heat exhaustion by the end of that, mate. Lemon I like, oh, like, see, by the end of it, Ken came to see me when we eventually got to a CP, you're right. And I was just like, bleh, bleh. <laughs> But you know what it's like when you're a commander, mate. Yeah. If you're a rifleman, the only one thing as a commander, you're thinking about both us, this, and at one stage they would want me to storm the mosque, mate. They want me to go across the open ground and fucking take the mosque, and I was like, there's no way that's happening. So could you not put fire support? I said, I put fire support. What you want me to storm it with what, five men, or we can bring a platoon over or somebody to support you? And I was like, they're not grasping us. It's like two to three hundred meters of open ground. Where they've got full advantage to do it eventually the OC jumped in and said nope we'll listen to it hey, Sharpie okay I mean he's like listen to exactly yeah. what he's saying We're not doing anything like that we'll listen to the guy that's on the ground he's the eyes and ears for this company what do you need what are you doing I says we need to hold this area push them back don't let them come back into the village and that's what we did mate so
1: that's
0: yeah. no, fantastic mate. really well, good.
1: Do you, did you have any sense of an enemy strength size
0: yeah couldn't tell you mate there was we reckon at least about 20 to 30 that's what they reckon
2: yeah
0: (laughs) because they just get reinforcement and then while this happened uh, later on that's when i think it was b company might have been b company flew in in the helis passed waheed and dropped in and babaji was one of the companies for the black watch not. that but then that's when the Taliban realized we'd soaked them in. That was what the plan was to push them out and soak them in. So all their assets came up and started scrapping with us, mate. That's how we reckon in between twenty to thirty, maybe even more, mate. Yeah. All the assets came in. But as soon as the Haleys went past and they were landing, they disappeared, mate. That was aimed at like, fuck. We have just lost a massive bit of ground because that's that was the plan is we soak them in, provide relief for the Welsh guards, which then allowed I don't know which company it was something for the Black Watch anyhow. They then bombed in, landed in the Chinooks, and then that's the next day, that's when uh, Kev got Kevin Kev happened. Gus got hit with the RPG. That was Alpha
1: Company, mate.
0: Alpha Company, that's who it was. So, yeah, that that, that was the guys that we were scrapping, mate, that day. They then left us and pushed and trying to get a foothold back, and that's when they, that's when A company then started taking our pounding. Because they were a wee bit more vulnerable uh, than where we were, for example. We had massive firepower, we had obviously the, the jackals behind us, eh? yeah. so...
1: Yeah, mate. Um, and were you operating off of fourteen nine alpha at the uh, time as well?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely, mate. Uh, fourteen <laughs> alpha. Well, I don't think we didn't. I think we operated off that every time, mate. Because yeah. anywhere we went, it, we were going for a fight, Davey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by force, Ricky, by fire. Sorry. I, mean, I knew we, that was the
1: case. I just wanted to to reinforce the point that you know that yourselves and and uh, the the battalion as well, every op was fourteen and alpha. Um, yeah. And I, I I would be interested to find out if anyone else has ever had that on a on a deployment. Um, yeah,
0: throughout exactly. the whole time. Yeah, well here especially the, the black black watch when the job that they were doing they were landing into an enemy territory for a fight you couldn't go in with Card alpha with that yeah. it's not get I mean so yeah four two nine alpha that's definitely what we were on for the the full tour I would say yeah you know what I mean but,
1: what did you do when you come what did you do when you come back to the UK then? Did you all go on a big piss up or go on a,
0: a large yeah, holiday or what? Yeah, we went, we went to Blackpool. So those who managed to get hot <laughs> a camp just outside Blackpool. Sorry, two seconds, mate. And we had a company smoker there, just two nights uh, down there and we had like sections, had to go and do challenges as like best naked photo and stuff like that. And I'm Frank we get blakey, so come on, we were winning that. Uh uh, it was, yeah, it was really good. It was a fantastic way to finish the BRF. It was really... Yeah, it was gotten leaving them, mate, because some of their boys were, you know, pure operators and I'll never, ever forget them. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think they went on and now special forces as well, so, I mean, what does that say for them?
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. <laughs> good. Um, and then, what was life like coming back to the battalion and after that?
0: It was all right, mate. It was all right. Everybody... <laughs> Everybody had a hard tour, David. so it's not like we come back and say, well, we're the BRF, you know, we're this, we're that. It wasn't the case. Uh, Everybody had a hard tour. That headache 10 was hard for everybody, regardless of what job you were doing. Even the G4 team, mate, was hard enough, especially for you guys, trying to get the stuff that you need onto the ground. Spencer Jews are away from your camp. So, yeah, we were there first, we came back before the battalion, so... Yeah, it was good though. It was good to get back to the bit good to get back to the watch, as you would say, yeah. but what was yeah. your next role then? Like what uh, what job did you pick up next? So, it was, mate, so I went and done seniors. Well, I went and done um, SF, do you know the two week beat up course? I went to do that, passed uh, past that, but then I get put off. I had a wee bit not a run in but double standards with DS. So you do the fan dance, what is he doing? three ool, you get four ool's or something to date in. Yeah, I guess four hours. Something like that. So I came over and I was, to come down the bottom of the hole to the, the hotel. I was like 200 metres away for the car. Uh, two, I was in the squad. I was like, oh, my lace. So I've got plenty of time. So I stopped and tied my lace. Got some water and then obviously jogged to catch up. But my DS said I was slacking and I should have kept up with the squad. But I still did it in like three ool's. I was only, what, 15 seconds behind the squad. But you had other folk, like Coops's DS, and they did it in the time limit, four hours, 10 minutes or something. He was like, Yeah, well done. You utilize your time. And I was just like, Double standards, and it put me off. Eh? So yeah. I binned up and then went and done seniors, mate. And then I <laughs> up. Which I was devastated about because I thought I was staying in the recce. <laughs> I thought I was picking up the recce job. Really? And then they, yeah, I thought I was staying in the recce. And then the CEO was like, Yeah, well done. A company. I was like, Two per two. Ah, what? And that was me over to A Company. OC was Kev's, no, OC was Rob Herewick, And company, Sergeant Major, was Kev Stacey. And that's where we went. That was a team. And Clarkey was one platoon commander. Obviously, Toffer was my boss. Um, Toffer McRobbie, you know, Toffer. Eh? Yeah. Uh, he, he was me and him, who was two platoon. And then that was the team that went to Herrick 15, mate.
1: And uh, how has it been back in a rifle company then? You know, obviously, it's, it's not the same uh, yeah. as being in being a senior platoon like the recce but it's definitely got its parts.
0: yeah oh definitely mate what I would say is in a recce platoon you don't have to rely on your section commanders as much I can turn when they say to Tails as a jock I need this done mate can you get it done and it's done you know what you, you can rely on individuals whereas if you go to a duty company you're heavily relying on your section commanders in order to get tasks done and your two ICs as well They're saying that jocks are bad or they're idle but they might not do it to the standard you need. And if you're too busy doing stuff, especially pre-deployment training, you need to have switched on section commanders in order to put that, pre- to relieve some of the pressure for you. Right guys, I need this done, and away they went and did it. And I was quite fortunate, I had decent section commanders and two ICs, eh? which eh, kind of saved me a massive workload, mate.
1: Yeah, uh, what What, jo- what um, sort of specific jobs did you do while you were in Tupleton?
0: Two- yeah, so... Herrick 15, uh, so the two platoon got split up. Uh, we were the only, not pl- well, us in attachments, but the two platoons for A company, one platoon stayed in uh, company location and two platoons got split. Uh, so the bosses, so Toph and Robbies, lot team PB Ranger, and then my lot, we team PB Tanur, and we held the areas, handing them over to the police. Uh, and then the other platoon commanders, half as what went back to Kinlang, and then I over Hadjilm. Held that and then had that over to the police and then yeah, done Herek fifteen as such, mate. You know yourself that Herek fifteen was like Nad Ali. So I think I, in regards of what I, I take heric fifteen more than heric Ten, heric Ten was war fighting. I don't see stability when I was war fighting, it was war fighting. But heric fifteen I walked away more more myself, thinking I achieved more then. I for the country. I did in Herrick 10 because Herrick 10 was fighting, whereas that, I was playing football with kids, get what I mean? Yeah. kids were going to school, and we had an impact in that, get what I mean? you had the, the Royal Irish and then the, the Marines and then us and we, you know, we basically hand over Nada which with Nada Ali and Herrick 10 was the triangle of death mate. We went there in um, Herrick 10 and, you know, we were in a massive scrap as well. We just scratched the surface, these boys broke in there and amended it and then we hand that place over. So I walked away thinking, Herrick 15, yeah, I've achieved something, i.e., for that country. I walked away saying, "Yeah, can I achieve more for the country than I didn't hit 10 just because it was more hearts and minds, and that's yeah. what I was kind of aiming for, which was good." But you yeah. know yourself. The second part, sorry, you get anything else to say in that?
1: Uh, yeah, well, it was it was a it was a different tour for me because um, I was with the recce on Herrick 15, and yeah. we were our job was to kind of support companies uh, or platoons or checkpoints or area AOs that were struggling with, um, with holding back the Taliban, so we never really seen much of the the transition, you know what I mean, from from conflict to, to peacetime I mean, we've yeah. seen it when we were driving about and stuff like that, and we've seen it when we had the ease of movement through uh, certain AOs down to like, uh, uh, Brigade HQ and stuff like that at Shawkat, but um, mm. I went back to a mate, and he but I was just fighting the exact same out of the same compounds I was two years previous, you know what I mean? So, um, they ex- literally the exact same compounds two years later, I was the fighting in the exact same areas. So, um, it was, it was kind of, I, w- I was never disheartened, but it was kind of just like, What the fuck's going on here? But obviously, big picture, um, Nadia Nadia Ali as a whole had been, you know. Dramatically changed. Just certain the yeah. certain areas that I was operating in wasn't. Um, but there was definitely like like you said, peace coming. Um, and then just to fucking finish on that, to hand it to hand everything back in 2014 is an absolute travesty.
0: You know what I mean? But yeah, uh, it's it's going to be downhill again, and go go downhill fast. So I just hope that you're not going to end up. Redeploying in there because the many lives that got lost in that to where it is now, it's just it's politics, I suppose, mate. But they couldn't keep the British army and the American army in there for a long scale war, mate. But any day, is it it going to be something in the future? That's a problem. eh?
1: I know. I did need a political answer, but (laughs) fuck knows, man. Um, What were you going to say there about your second half of the tour?
0: Second half, you'll be aware of it because you joined me. And uh, Royal Guard and uh, balla which was fucking epic. That was uh, that was brilliant, mate. I think that's one of the best experiences I've had in the army as well. Uh, um, you were what were you battling? No, you were on the battle again. What, when were you? That was Scotty Market. was battling again. What beat were you?
1: Um, mate, it, it scares me. I can't remember.
0: Well, yeah, end of the day, mate. That was brilliant. That was that was you know it wasn't it? It wasn't the army. I mean, no, no, no service for the royal family but in the second in the other half of it, it was you know very rewarding nobody else has got to do that like i don't know anybody in my time in the army and the black watch has got to do that so i was just like yeah that's, that's brilliant and not only that but a pony platoon <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so as a guard plato- as a guard platoon it was literally a platoon just doing guard on the camp non-stop and then it was a pony platoon who basically just worked a semi-job for three months uh, out in the Highlands of Scotland, and partied yeah. every fucking weekend, like the weekend never was going to end. Um, the, the, I'll tell you one thing because I came into Alpha Company then as a as a as a a bunch of guys who are backfilling, you know, an undermanned task, and the amount the, uh, the of camaraderie we made that we built up just in that short period of time, you know, it's three months, but. By the end of it, mate, all the Alpha Company boys, I was best mates with all the Alpha Company boys, more than I was the boys that I'd just been with. Um, you,
0: know, you know yourself, the boys, it was, you no know, no bullet smoke up her own ass, but the boys, it was in the Doomers. You know, you had Footlet day and, you know, Scotty Markey. you had Nick Culligan. you had some absolutely <laughs> characters in them, mate, and good soldiers, quality soldiers at like that, mate, yeah. as well. So I think we had a good team going from Herrick 15 into that. And then it just gelled, mate. It worked. I didn't have to do anything. Not once did I have any complaints <laughs> about the beats. Yeah, I mean, I went all the beats, and not once. So obviously, you had folks saying off, we of doing this again," sort of thing. But it was good, mate. Yeah. That was my dog out the door scratching to get in? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, that was class. That was an absolute class time. Definitely one of my highlights of the uh, of my military career, and um, <laughs> it was good to to meet the Queen as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Here I got the honour of dancing with her, not that I've done very well, but meanwhile <laughs> she had to dance her. and obviously she's a frail old woman, mate, and uh, you do the dash and mighty sergeant, so you're like, can you swing around like that? And I wasn't the it hard enough, mate, and she grabbed me inside her hand and swung me, I was like, ooh, Jesus, <laughs> she was obviously, she was wanting it done properly, mate, so I was like, I said to Welsh after it, mate, did she did she grab you? I, Aye, goes, aye? You could grab me and swung me about, I was like, <laughs> Jesus, I mean, royal family I love it up there, Oh, cool, a, here's,
1: here's a story for the grandkids.
0: mate, aye, thanks for the Queen. Um, <laughs>
1: did you enjoy your time as a platoon sergeant at Werth coming in?
0: Loved it, mate. Yeah, I, honestly, I was devastated when I went, but yeah, un- unbelievable, mate. I think, I was, as I said, I was very fortunate with the team that I had had. Yeah, okay, I mean, both the platoon commanders are I had, you know, we're really good guys, we clicked well, and in the section commanders, added the two ICs, the land that were in there were really good, here, and jocks. I mean, not got yeah. a bad word to say. But the platoon, I was quite upset when I had to leave to my next posting, mate, because it was a good team, so yeah. always have to move in. so uh, uh, Where did
1: you go next?
0: So I, was, uh, <clears throat> so I was in the process of waiting to pick up Corsa. So they sent me to, uh, it was basically, it was outreach East team to take on uh, people want to join the army to show them what it's like. So then a three-month stint there which is basically just taking them all the stuff that I love. I was getting them all cam creamed up, making them do stocks and stuff like that. Loved it. And it was one of kids and adults who want to join the army so I really, really enjoyed my time there for three months and that was in Edinburgh. And then I went to Seven Scots the reserve unit as a PSI for six months in Dumbarton which is a different kettle of fish. First time Working with reserves, I like me training them. Obviously, I had guys with me on tour, we were second to none. And uh, you know, your expectations, what you get for the reserves, are completely different. I'll be, I'll be the first one to say, Obviously, I'm in the reserves now. You know, they're a different kettle of fish, they're never going to be as good as a bayonet fighter because they don't ever get the training, mate. If that makes sense, yeah. which we'll talk about. A bit. But here again, I enjoyed it. It was a character builder. It made me think outside the box. You can't just go and shout and swear on that you would do in a regular unit because people just switch off and they don't listen to you. So I was like, right, that's not the way you can approach things. So yeah, that was different. And then after that, was Vocate, which I picked up Colossan and I knew I was going to the recce, but um, we were obviously down there. So I went into the training uh, Colossan team uh, down there. So I was uh, under a uh, Timmy Taylor, we kind of run the cohort down there and organise the training events for use boys taking your training teams out on exercises and stuff like. That, which again was an eye opener, which you're aware of, because that was a uh, yeah good times. Uh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a there. fucking
1: understatement. Um, the best thing about my time down in uh, down in Bazinborn was uh, was the gym, mate. That's it. Like I was, I, whatever I was doing during the day, like my, the the only thing that was on my mind was when the hell can I get to the gym? Because that was the only thing I had to keep me sane. Um, that jo- that job was honestly, it was soul-destroying um, yeah. training, yeah. training those Libyan soldiers. I mean, they weren't even soldiers. They were just militiamen, weren't they? They were the scum of the earth, man. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, yeah. I, we'd wake up and we'd be like, by the end of it, there was, there was days where, because we were staying in our training teams so we had the four of us staying in, a, in our little uh, dormitory as you'd probably call it um and one of us would have to go down the lines in the morning and wake them up and get them ready for their day's lessons and that and it got to the point about four months in where it was like it was the situation had uh down the uh, spiral down, downhill so much that, they, they just weren't working anymore and then they, they were like destroying the lines and you know rioting and all that sort of stuff so it got to the point mate that was the boys in the training team were like look fuck this I, i'm I'm not even going to work today we just text the boss and yeah i've been down the lines they're not working <laughs> and <laughs> you like you go down there an hour later and it, you'd be right they they weren't working like they, they they were just like fuck off and all this sort of stuff and we wanted nothing to do with it, mate. But that was that was way above our our heads. But we had to deal with it. You know, COS and all that sort of shit.
2: You,
0: you takes was a waste a, of time, money yeah. and effort, mate. A massive waste of time, money and effort. Use boys, you know, I, I wasn't in the stick it. use boys, but I felt so sorry for the guys that were trying their best to try and make this work, but then get pressure for the top head. This needs to work. Well, we're trying. It's not working. You're not trying hard enough. But you're not getting this. Yeah. They're not listening to us. Which you want to go and fight them oh you can't do that well how, how else are you going to make this work okay I mean it was crazy so yeah hats after you guys because I was in a position where I didn't have to do that because I would have been
1: so frustrated <laughs> so frustrated you were just on the sauce every
0: night ah uh, not me not me <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah that was a mad time but um okay. so when you got promoted then did you take over the record to IC straight away
0: no, after, after okay. After okay, we huh? and Then came over, uh, went in there, obviously got a team, me, Blakey, uh, and David Hamilton was a platoon commander. And we started organising stuff, and we were looking right thinking we book booking a recce but everything was very hush-hush. So we we set a plan in place, and we said to the CEO, we're looking to go to the recce cadre, we went away for here, we're going to Kikubri we're going to do a recce for six, seven weeks down there. He's like, yeah, okay, but if you go away now, don't be shimping when you have to go away again. So that was the year. that was the year that destroyed me, mate, that made me leave the army this year, eh? yeah. but we're talking about just because not to do with it was just individuals who came in like head sheds who just didn't care, you were just a number. That's all you were. But <clears throat> so we've done a Rekki which was really good. They're James Williams, uh, he was on the Ricky Carter there were a few other new guys that like we, Ryan Braze and Peter McGinnon and all these characters that are still in there now. We them against with the Irish new. But,
1: uh, I, uh, uh, my... I, I I forced all those all those names in there. praise <laughs> yeah, no, James McWilliams, bunch of others yeah. as well.
0: Good lads, mate, really good lads. So we done the recicada. That was a uh, four four weeks, five weeks, and then we done a final exercise at uh, RAF Speed Adam. You ever heard of this? Yeah. Yeah. So, no? Yeah. Brilliant, mate. Because they've got mock tanks, block tanks. They've also got um, actual ZSU, which are an anti tank. Uh, weapon system, uh, not anti-tank, anti-air unit, loads of stuff plotted all over the place and they've got an airfield with all MIGs and everything on it. So it was brilliant mate, we set this big massive exercise up, bought up a good picture and the final thing was a raid. Right guys, we're raiding onto the airfield, you need to destroy these MIGs. So that's basically what it was, we put me enemy pockets so supporting it like they would do and then the boys went in, made up their own sort of C4 and denied all these planes at the air. It was really good and it finished Right, the final exercise, mate, no doubt, the final day, the final night, fucking Stafford Ham on the snow, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh fucking hell, man, this is gonna be horrendous. But the boys dug up blind. Sam Connor was another one as well. came over. Stuarty, two screws, you know, fantastic guy. So yeah, yeah, it was really good. <clears throat> we finished that, mate. We got back on the Wednesday, and then by Friday I was passed again. I was the lead instructor for seniors for SRTT, you know, the Scottish one. Yeah, yeah. So they sent me down in that, three weeks in Brecon, taking that. Again, I was I wasn't the two fossils like, right, okay. But I'd only been married that December, so I hadn't seen the missus. I'd literally back for a weekend, away I went again. Went away for three weeks for that, came back for there, and then they said, right, guys, you are away to Kenya and France. So I think, the, where was the battalion? The battalion's in Cyprus, actually. So then sent us to Kenya, we're in Kenya for six weeks, eight weeks. So literally got back for a week, Kenya, for six to eight weeks. Then the PRT, I was in the PRT to start with there, doing all the range stuff with that, setting that up for the guys to run through their training. And then the second party, I was the Recce DS. So I was cutting a bit, doing all the Recce stuff. And then we finished that, I thought, yep, that's it. But then they sent us to France, the Zenzub, which was, yeah, don't get me wrong, that was probably really good that was Zenzub was a makeshift village mate, an actual village, it had three different areas, it had an urbanization, like American urbanization sort of house. They right. had a factory area, which was like an old industrial factory area. And then had an old World War II sort of area, a town center, where a big massive tower in the middle. And literally we learned all the tactics of the French, incorporated their own tactics. Then all the training and it finished with a big exercise, us against the French. And it was brilliant mate, was Good probably one of the best, yeah, oh mate, we loved it, and we get let loose, so I was platoon commander for it, in platoon sergeant was Blakey, And the final attack, they're like, right, Recky, go and do a feint, I want you to go over the bridge on the left, feint, so they think that they're coming that way, and then just make your way into the village, that was my, that was, that was my orders, just do that, and the DS that was weighing me, the French there, kept asking me, what are you doing, what are you doing, I was like, nah, I can't tell you, Kind of. Oh, I'm just going here, <laughs> was, was We just get going and going and going and we ended up in the middle of the town and all the tanks were still there so we're, it was just like, straight go and smash that. And it was just like, we <laughs> were just smashing all the tanks, mate. We got a good applaud for it. We <laughs> I mean, kind of, like, smashed them. It was really good, mate. Fair and judge. See, for an urban exercise, first time I've ever done anything like that. Obviously, get have got down in Winnie, Winnie Hill. Yeah. is nothing, nothing like Zen's up, mate. It's fantastic. Really good.
1: Did you have to do the defences or did you skip that?
0: No. So we didn't do defence, did we? No, we didn't. We just did an offensive part. Yeah. We did do some defensive, but not like breaking where you put your razor wire and everything like That's that. That's the fucking worst of part
1: about urban ops, man. The offensive stuff's yeah, good fun.
0: <laughs> okay. And the, uh, literally, it was just attacking these buildings, going through their SLPs, using the farm ass and stuff. It was really good, Dave, yeah? yeah. Really, really good. I thought that. But and that was the, the nail in the the rod i came back wasn't a chuff the ceo just tapped me with pure shit stuff and i was like that's pathetic Can where we were going i was just like, "No, that's it i'm out and my message was just she was just starting a doctorate to become a doctor right so it was either her career or my career as well kind of thing so i was like i'm getting out that was me I had enough because I just people were saying to me but you're in a position where you can influence that you become a sub Major and you'll be able to change stuff and I'm like no you won't
1: no 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 I had
0: a, two gleaming Salt Majors look at Jimmy Fraser mate. you know Jimmy what a guy he was what a legend a guy done everything he could for the jocks but his influence was very low at the top because they just didn't care as long as they got what they wanted to get promoted for the next job they didn't give a fuck so yeah. i just
1: like
0: that's the way the army's going I'm out like,
1: yeah, that, um, when, I, when I, when it kind of, say when the news broke, it was as if it was some sort of massive fucking breaking news story, but it kind of was, man, because I don't know if you'd be comfortable hearing this, but mate, at the time, you, like somebody like yourself, man, you're, you're, you're the top boy, man. You're the, you're one of the yeah. top, top dogs in the battalion, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. ev- massively, massively, massively respected, massively, massively capable, you know, you, you just. The, essentially your battalion fucking top dog mate and yeah. if no one's fucking willing to listen to you and take your you know advice or concerns or even just yeah like like I said listen to what you've got to say then what the fuck has the rest of the boys got you know guys like me who have got no more nowhere near as much influence or you know capability or whatever that, that you had at the time like yeah. you know I mean and you are completely right that you say you, you know, you voice your opinion and nothing ever happens, nothing ever changes because people are selfish, mate, and all they care about is themselves. And it it's, yeah. it's a hard truth, mate, but that's the way it is. There's a bunch it's of guys cute. out there, there's a bunch of guys out there, like like you said mentioned Jimmy Fraser, people like that who aren't and who d- don't yeah. give a fuck about their own career and will, do, will just work for the guys. But then there's yeah. a majority, I would say... Unfortunately, who who just really want that next fucking that rank, and they want that the next rank as quick as possible, and they're kind of willing to do whatever they want. But it is a bomb, yeah. bit of a bombshell, mate. When you when you just went through with it, because a, a bunch of guys were thinking, right, you will saying back, yeah. on, sign back on." But when you eventually were when you when you eventually pop smoke for good, mate, everyone was like, fucking no. hell!" Actually went no, through it. She,
0: said she says, "You're not going to do this." And then the day I signed off, I went in and said, "I've signed off." She went, "Eh." No, I said Michelle. I've signed off. She's like, oh shit, and then it kind of hit the reality hit, and I was like, I'm done with it. Can I yeah. Mean? yeah, but I'm, I'd never sleep down with David. I I loved the army. I still do love the army. It made me who I am. But it was just going in the wrong way that I was just like, makes no difference what position I get to influence. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's some people in the other know like Toff from McRobbie who's never an OC who can influence stuff, and I hope he really does. And then if he ever gets to the point to CEO. He needs to listen to what people are saying in the grassroots we, we know him, he probably will huh? because yeah. if it doesn't get fixed, it's just going to be the same thing two years people come in make a name for themselves so they can promote where everybody else is just going to smash and burnt out signing off and getting out that's yeah. not the way the Black lot used to be mate it was a family regiment people promoted within and they've been through that it was like I've just been grafting for four years right the battalions in this sort of state because I'm there with them it's actually when we see a section commander you need to be in the same level as your men. That makes sense because you can't expect them to do something because you're fresh and they're burnt. Out. You know what I mean, mate? Yeah.
1: All right. Yeah, it was a fucking crazy time. Um, yeah, bud. But what 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 fucking what was Ceviche civ- career like for you? Transitioning straight out, like, did you have any plans, or did you walk into a yeah. job?
0: Well, I was, uh, so my plan, I wanted to do my personal training course and uh, obviously the fire service was my calling. So in the process of leaving and and waiting for that to, because it was starting in January. So I left in June. So I had like six, seven months in between. So I joined the reserves and the the reserve obviously with my my experience and my skill set that I have, they were like, I can give you, you can work here five days a week if you want. I was like, what? so yeah, you can work here five days a week. And I was like, Roger? Okay. So I done that, mate. <laughs> done that. until the fire service I started training the fire service. And then I had a break in November. I went and done my level three um diploma in fitness and instruction because it was something I was keen to do. So I done the reserves that kept me ticking over as such, if that makes sense. So i done that course and then I started the fire service in the January. So I right, mate, it's been it's been a smooth transition for me, mate. Obviously a lot of people have had the different experiences for it but uh, it's been relatively smooth for me mate, I've enjoyed it and the job I'm in now is fantastic mate, really really good.
1: How how was that? uh, the uh, application and like the process to join the Fire Brigade and in terms of like was it was it difficult to get into or is there a fucking do you need to be in the masons to get in it sort of thing?
0: No no you don't (laughs) uh, Uh, but there is there's, uh, what was 103 on my course I think there was like 17,000 applied so you, you do all you know you do the application and then you do two tests you do a mass test unless you've got like a level b in mass or whatever it was which I had because of my uh, adult that i done through the army but I didn't know if that was equivalent so I put no and then when I actually got it, I said oh you didn't need to do that. You had done it. So I had to do that last test again, which was pretty ninja, and I was like, oh, God, this is quite hard. Ken. Some of the stuff I've not done for years, I was like, Jesus, I've done a lot of studying before. And then you do a judgmental sort of test, where it's just situations, and it's worked around like public sector, because obviously you need to understand your mechanics there, and how you would react to certain things. And then if you get past that, you then go to like a day assessment, where you like, climb ladders, you go through a confined space, you carry equipment, like, uh, dummies of weights to make sure you've got the strength you do a bleak test uh, you assemble a bit of equipment with attention to detail stuff like that and then once you do that if you pass all that you then go to interview Right. and then if you pass it, you then start so it was good mate I really enjoyed myself How long Different is it
1: Kettler. how long was the training
2: for? Uh,
0: is it 14 weeks? I think some say 14 weeks 14 weeks uh, and here it's it's, it was really good, I, I enjoyed it, it's, I like getting my hands on stuff, I like doing stuff like that, I think the only time I had a wee flag of feet, like, I was like, whoa, out of my comfort zone, because I'd never done anything like that, is when you wear BE for the first time, right, so you wear your, your breathing apparatus, and you're all masked out, and that's all fine, but the first thing, that's the same, you're into, big ISO containers, with a fire in it, through smoke and stuff, the first time you get in there, and, you're like, whoa, and the heat hits you, and you can't see, I was like, oh my god, I'm well out my comfort zone here, like fucking hell and there was another boy with me as well who'd never done it before and when you're searching you're meant to be quite far apart but we were like fucking home each and <laughs> <laughs> just to so you get your confidence up mate yeah I saw, that was a, that was a shock Ken, because it's something I've never done before but I was yeah. like Whoa. and then I was like Oof. but then obviously it's exposure, the same as any mate, you get exposure and then it's memory muscle, it was actually when we repeat wet harlan test you know it instinctively because you do it so much. It's the same as when you do any sort of stuff in the fire service, your search procedures, you just constantly do it. Practice, practice, because everything comes memory, memory, muscle, instinct, stuff like that, mate. And it's, you know, it's really good, I love it. Very active job, mate.
2: Yeah.
1: How easy, is, how, how easy have you found the the, the skills that you learnt in the army to the fire service in terms of the transferability?
0: Yeah, well, fitness for one. Obviously, the army, you're fit. Uh, you're very hands-on in the army. Like for you you learn new skills being weapons by being able to pick up a weapon, especially that you're an instructor on how to teach a weapon, you can read a pamphlet and do that. So then when you get given new equipment and technology uh, like technical aspects, here, it's easier to come across and very hands-on, mate. Everything you do is hands-on because it's all about, you know, cutting cars or stuff like that. So it's very hands-on. And an army you're very hands-on, aren't you? So it, everything was transferable, obviously, apart from the usual like running a bit and shooting and stuff like that. That's completely different. But the aspects of learning, because you learn a lot in the army, kind of helps you out with that sort of stuff, mate. Yeah, really good.
1: And so you've been doing that since 2015.
0: Yeah, about that three years this year.
1: Right. Okay. So what what sort of things five. have you learned since you've been a fire? Uh, what do you call it, a firefighter or a f- fireman or firefighter? Firefighter, yeah. what sort of things have you learned since you've been uh, been a firefighter then?
0: Just, um, I think, work, obviously with the army, you don't work with Joe public. I think having a lot more empathy, because, you know, you're going into people's houses and you're speaking to them, it's all about prevention as well. So getting, just being more along, more with the community, mate, that's the biggest thing I'd say. Obviously, where I am now, I'm all about the community, going around to people's houses, you know, Local community shops and stuff, and making sure that they're safe and secure. That's the biggest thing I'd say take away. Obviously, you learn your skill sets with how to save people out of cars. If you're working from heights, from fires and stuff, that all comes with a job. I think the biggest thing is being part of your community because obviously you're a community fire service. So, I think my favourite thing that we get from us we we water rescue. Right. So we do. Flood response. We've got a boat. We've got our wets, uh, dry suits, and everything. We'll go out and do training in the water for people who have been stranded in the water and stuff like that. That's really good. That that I love. I love beach swimming in that. Anyhow, but to actually do that aspect in your job's really good. And uh, we've got a boat, as I said. So I'm a boat driver as well now. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah, it's really good, mate. Really, really good.
1: That's awesome. Um, there was a quite, there was something that was fucking tickling my brain there. <laughs>
0: go through it mate think about it I can't remember yeah,
1: it. i'll come back to it. i'll come back to it yeah um <laughs> no that was it what's uh what would you say would be like a let's say a regular day for you then you obviously mentioned the community support stuff there but in terms of like um like work to re- rest ratio like what's your shift yeah. pattern and stuff
0: so we do two days two nights four days off and that's a rotor throughout the year it just continues like that and then obviously you get your leave in between and stuff like that so that's what we normally do a normal day you'll, gun, you, you'll do your line up at the back <clears throat> then you'll get talk where you are in the fire appliance like different seats means you do different jobs so you then do this is obviously before Covid because things have changed now but you would then do your full checks so if you're on the offside for example it means you're like the BA team so you would then check that full side to make sure everything's serviceable, all the equipment's there all the fuel's all topped up and it's all good to go. And then you check all your special appliances to make sure they're all good to go. That's what you do in the morning. <clears throat> then you go up and get a morning brief to find out if there's any policies or change of procedures and you'll talk about what you're going to do for the day. And then usually what happens, you do your, uh, your daily work. So in the morning you're going to there's like a list in the station that you go and do all your fire alarm checks and stuff like that and then check other special units. So in the morning you're just checking to make sure the prime mover, so the actual fire engine itself, that the truck is drivable the lights and everything, but it might be, so we've got an ATV. So what you do is you drop, you check the hook lift to make sure that's working. You'll start the ATV up You make sure the fluids and everything are good. Make sure the, the lands, which is basically the, the where the water will come out of Make sure that's all pressurized and everything. So that's what you'll do in the morning. That'll probably take you up to about 10 o'clock, you stop for a cup of tea, have another chat, and then you've, you've got basically like modules you do every month, the like core modules and everything. So you'll then do maybe a PowerPoint lesson or a theory-based lesson, or you'll go out and do some ladder drills, pump drills. That'll take you to lunchtime, you have your lunch. Obviously, this is all depending on operational shout, because everyone will go in the window for you to go shout. And then after lunchtime, you then do some more training, or you'll go out to do home fire safety visits, or you go out and do some operational gathering, go to uh, say a distillery and gather information about the building regarding fire, stuff like that, fire hazards and stuff like that. And that basically take you up to a day, that's what you would normally do mate.
1: Yeah, and how, how about nights? Obviously I can't imagine that you'd be doing all the, all that training and stuff like that. Um,
0: nice nights are slightly different, mate. So usually you, you'll grind at six o'clock. So you start at eight in the morning, finish at six at night, and then the night shift for six to eight. So you'll in there. Uh, you'll do your normal line up, check all the vehicles. You've got upstairs. You'll find out what's happening. You'll then go and do any sort of minor jobs you need to do, and then you'll do some sort of training, a bit of PowerPoint lesson, or you'll talk through some TTPs. You'll do some knots and lines. We tend to do mechanical advantage, which is for the water rescue and stuff like that. Yeah. And then basically that's it for the rest of the night. After you've done that, so it's probably about ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, something like that, and then basically you've timed your own depending on the operational shouts, mate.
1: Can I just get ahead the then, if you if you wanted, or uh...
0: yeah, yeah, pretty much, mate. I so you can if you get the opportunity, then definitely, mate. Um, but obviously, things can change like that. I yeah.
1: How on, how often do you find yourself out and out and is it a shout? Is that what the call?
0: Shout, so, yeah. I, 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 This year, it's been not as bad because COVID, there's not been a lot of people on the roads and stuff like that. But with 10, uh, wildfires is quite bad up there, neck of the woods mate. So my first year, we were at Lairg for a wildfire, we left at 11 in the morning, I got back at one at night and I was a day shift. You know what I mean? So it it completely varies or you can have a water rescue because it's a national resource. So we've got three national resources in Elgin. So you've got the water rescue, you've got the high volume pump, which is for mass floods or even a big wildfire. And you've got ATV, they can go anywhere in Scotland, mate. You know what I mean? Anywhere. So yeah. if there's a lot of rest, for example, down in Perth, and they need another team, we would go there. Awesome. Aberdeen, we would go there. Yeah, so. And then obviously you've got your local commitments with your fires, your RTCs, your uh, saving pigeons and stuff like that, cats, you name it. The normal stuff people see. is <laughs> so Yeah. It's here. It's a very rewarding job. And uh, yeah. the teams, that, uh, you know, they're really good. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're good crack. I thought coming for the army to go to there, hang on, no, banter's going to be a bad thing here because the army's getting line. The fire services, you know, their banter's good as well, mate.
1: Yeah, a mean, lot of dark humour.
0: think right? It's the same as any job when you're, not, not dark humour, but humour. You know what it's like, mate. Some of the stuff you go to, yeah. you need to chat about, it's, it's humor in it? It helps you relate to such stuff. It's
1: good though, mate. I really
0: love it. Um, Land my... <clears throat> Say that again. Land it in my feet, mate. That's all
1: we say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cl- I'm glad to hear that. So, <clears throat> I've I've heard a bunch of like firefighters talking stuff before, and they always talk about how how difficult RTCs are to deal with, and if are obviously a, a host of reasons, but one is because they're fucking traumatic. Like, um, yeah. have you had much experience with that? Yeah, well.
0: It, it can vary mate, we've had loads of, there's been loads of bad smashes about here mate, really bad ones, we've had one where a lorry didn't see a, a van It was parked to this big massive road that's like three mile long, nothing big massive, but well, apparently didn't see it. Hit the back of it, flipped the, rot, the van upside down, knocked down an electrical pole, and obviously that adds complexity to it. And he's obviously fell against the windows, pals on top of him, so it's all traumatic. Any sort of neck injury mate, you need to be very cautious. And obviously, in order for us to get the paramedics in there, so we can get them out, there's a lot of cutting involved. Even if a side impact, like a car hits the side of a door, I think that's it. that can crush it in certain ways. When it comes to opening a door, it makes it very hard. The door will start folding in on itself. So, yeah, RTCs can be very challenging, mate. It depends what sort of what you up to on the day, as such, mate.
2: Yeah. You
0: no. Know?
1: pretty interesting. And so are you pretty lucky to have that uh water rescue capability at your station then?
0: Yeah, I there's three in the north of Scotland, yeah. We're lucky but it can go anywhere as such, but yeah, it's, I'm lucky because I like it. I mean, some people yeah. might not like it. I like it. I think it's really good, mate. I love that. So that's good. Get in the water and true rescues, try to save people that are potentially stranded in islands and stuff like that. Especially with a flood. Look at Bala not that long ago. I remember when it really badly flooded yeah. with the caravans in the park and everything. teams were down so you know I mean that's the sort of stuff that we can go to and then the flood that just happened in Aberdeen you know water rescue teams were at that unfortunately I wasn't on but teams were at it so yes yeah, it's, it's good mate it's very rewarding that's all I'll say it's a different a different chain if that makes sense different kink in your armour no kink yeah. but a different link as such that you can just say yeah that's another job that you can potentially go and do that's good mate What's really your opportunity fun.
1: like for uh, for progression in terms of promotion and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, so you basically within a watch it's different stations have different watches so in Elgin we've only got six because it's small; it's only one station but then like Inverness is a two pump station plus special same amount 13 but in that you've got a watch commander and a crew commander in our station but other ones might have a watch commander and two crew commanders so you can progress but same as I said when I was in army I wanted to do every role so the next role for me is driving so I know every inside now because I can't yep. expect somebody to say oh I need you to do this if I don't have an understanding yet so that's I'm not looking to do any sort of progression at the moment I want to do if you progress mate it means you're not doing the rescuing part
1: yeah right okay
0: so maybe when I'm 40 maybe I'm 50 I say oh well, I've done my rescue. I'm happy to you know take the lead and stuff now you know once you've led in places like Afghan mate there's there's not very much things that's going to challenge you as such. I'm not saying that that wouldn't be challenging. I just think doing the job of going in there and helping somebody or saving somebody is more my street at the moment, mate. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: It's,
1: uh, there's a lot of parallel, parallels there with guys who are, you know, trying to go through the ranks. Like, you go through the ranks really quick, then you've got longer in your career of doing fucking the shit job. Whereas, like, yeah. now I look back, I'm like, you know, it didn't actually matter if I'd, I'd spent five, six, seven years as a screw because, you know, I'd end up getting to the rank I, I wanted to get to anyway, it would m- yes. maybe only mean that my pension would be slightly better when it came to that fucking time. But what a fucking tiny, menial thing to be worrying about, you know what I mean? Um, but a lot of guys, like, they want to just get and just get promoted, just get to that level, just keep promoting. But now that I look back, I'll definitely say that, like, just take it fucking slow because the jobs that you, that you enjoy are those Landstrap, private soldier, screw, platoon sergeant, yeah. colour sergeant. Yeah. And after that, I would imagine it's just, you know, you've got 10, 15, 20, 12 years of uh, sitting at
2: the desk.
0: Best job in the world, full screw, mate. Okay, I mean, that is, at the end of the day, that's what wins fights. Not, not platoon commanders, not platoon sergeants, not OCs, not sergeant majors. It's a full screw with his men. Going forward and storming that enemy position, simple as no. best job in the world, simple as none better than that, mate. None more rewarding. You are the tip of the bayonet, as they say, you know what, <laughs> what I mean? That's the best job, mate. Definitely, leader but. of men, yes, mate. That's um, the
1: what are you doing now then with the TA? Uh,
0: so what's your commitment? Um, so, <clears throat> you do you've got to do a minimum of like 29 days a year. And out of that you do two weeks. I do more than that. So when I left the regulars, I got busted to a sergeant. So then had to work my way back up. So then platoon commander, I knew I just picked up sergeant major, but there's not a pad for it. So I'm waiting for that, but I'm not doing a sergeant majors role. I, I've got no interest in being a sergeant major, a company sergeant major in the reserves because yeah. it's easy. I've got more, more reward than doing platoon commander. And the reserves where I am at the moment because I do all the training. So anybody that goes away, juniors or seniors, I tend to do all the training or not. There's seven questions, junior NCOs, cadres, I, I take the leading that for the rear company anyhow. Yeah. So enjoying that. So my next one for the reserves is looking to maybe go for commission next year. I'll wait and see. Oh really? But again, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not rushing. I'll just take my time. Awesome. So applaud, mate. I, I won't. I, the way I see it is, why go and do something that I'm not going to enjoy. I'm enjoying it as you know. If I go for a commission and they can keep me in that pit, yeah. it is. if they say something major, you're going to be a company something major, I'll be like, no, you're all right, That's, there's no reward in that. Yeah. Keep me as a column. Because I do it for fun, I don't do yeah. it for anything else, David. Well,
1: yeah, and I, that can, mean, I, I can imagine, yeah.
0: The main thing with the reserves is, so what if I had to take a lesson to a jock and a regular battalion, it was the fuck. But <laughs> if I take a lesson to him, a reservist who's coming out after he's just done a few days' work, it's rewarding because they're choosing to be there. Yeah. That's crazy. And as I said before, they're never going to be as good as an as an infantry unit bayonet guy because they're not get the training. But what they do have, they bring other things. So I've got a ghillie that's in my team. You know what I mean? The experience that he brings, i.e. as a sharpshooter, is brilliant. There's a lawyer that's in the team. There's, there's loads of different backgrounds that people bring there's joiners for example if you had to go to a cp and they "Right, we need to build some name a jock in a regular unit what maybe keb hughes right everybody else would be like yeah not got a clue but you've got guys in there who their actual main roles of sparkies gas gas got engineers. their own
1: businesses and all that
0: yeah so I, I find it very rewarding and don't get me wrong the expectations are never going to be high because they never will be uh, for example attain a fee laugh lesson I take it to seven guys the next Tuesday it was a different seven so I was like fuck's sake I'm not progressing because that's the way it is mate it's yeah. very frustrating but it's very rewarding because I'm in there and it's good but they have a great time I have a great time I'm teaching it is, it stuff is what and, it is eh? yeah exactly. so awesome. yeah enjoy it mate I enjoy it but fantastic yeah. right Sharpie, I've fucking
1: kept you long enough let, me, oh, let yeah. me get let me get something to finish up on yeah Go for it. Just give the give the fucking audience something, uh, some words words
0: of wisdom. Words of wisdom. Don't eat yellow snow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, well. see, And I said at the start for anybody that watches us. All right. Uh, Davey's done a great job uh, bringing everybody together and getting different backgrounds and hearing different things. Uh, and I've got to see some. You know, friends on here and how they've progressed it's great to hear other people's stories so thanks very much David and I look forward to hearing some uh, not hearing but watching some more of your videos bud Well He's the really first one you can
1: start by is by watching yours this Sunday at 2pm so
0: Sunday 2pm I'll be off shift as well so I'll watch it
1: mate. <laughs> Right Sharpie thank you very much for taking the time out of your night to yeah, sit down and do no this problem. it's been an absolute pleasure, take care big man yeah,
0: You're looking well mate hopefully I'll get to catch up soon bud Yeah, cheers, mate. Bye. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Davey. Thank you, bud. See ya.